0: Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Nice one, Gareth. Got it this time, did you? Yeah, sorted it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: it's, it's easy when there's three. It's a bit too much maths <laughs> in my head when there's four. <laughs> yeah, Especially when it. you're being polite as well.
0: Well, we had to kick <laughs> stuff off the show, to be fair, didn't we, after last week, after the uh, the controversy she got us into with all that, uh, all that twink chatter and the like. Um, it's a it's shame. Like but, you us know, into the yeah, that's it. Not that we ever go there v- willingly. Um, it's <laughs> never <laughs> happened before, us, it, JP?
2: No, it hasn't. And, you know, I learned a lot. That's the thing. That was my big takeaway from last week. I didn't knew nothing of otters. Mm. I just thought of them as uh, mammals that basically knocked about by kind of rivers and brooks.
0: <laughs> nope. Got that wrong. I feel like a um, lot of people learn things. That was the main comment of yeah. all of the feedback we got from doing that live show last week. Which people going, oh, no, look, I know a little bit more now. So, you know, educational um, is the way to put it. It feels like they should have Wikipedia up
2: with just a whole series of various sex acts that we'll mm. somehow refer to and mm. and terminology that none of us are clued up in. Just so we learn a fact each week mm. um, to kind of try and chuck into the conversation. Um, yeah, I also, I mean, I don't know if I've ever rated a G1 final as to how it ranks in sex terms. I mean, I thought sometimes I know on posts with the coffee and the milk and the sugar, I get slightly confused with that. I mean, ball gagging mouth. Leading to disappointing sex, three stars. Like, so I don't know if you can fit that in, Gareth.
1: I was going to say, is is this is this is definitely a change from like, can you add a a zero stars? Can can we add the ball gag in the mouth rating, please? Like, it's definitely (laughs) taking things to new levels.
0: (laughs) What would five stars be?
2: Very much in the eye of the beholder. When you think of it on a deeper level. (laughs) Isn't it? No suggestions, though. You know, some some people are quite meat and potatoes when it comes to this stuff and some people are pretty much off the reservation. I'm not going <laughs> into specifics but we all know those people.
0: Look, I, I blame, I'm not saying uh, he's one of them people but I blame Will Cooling. He's the one who, uh, he started the conversation that got us dragged into the gutter last week and uh, Almost got us cancelled. Almost got himself cancelled on Twitter today, which is a thing we will uh, <laughs> we will talk about too. Uh, but yeah, like I say, Steph's not with us this week. She'll be back with us for uh, for the people who are desperate for it to be back on after last week. She'll be undoing the uh, the full gear review with us, and uh, apparently power struggles the same day uh, in a couple of weeks. So uh, you can look forward to that too. But yeah, you kind of uh, you stuck with us us lot for now. Lads, it's uh, we're past G one season. JP, we're going to do that roundtable later in the week and, uh, and close things up. But I don't know how you've been feeling. You feel like a free man now, not having to uh, to get up in the morning and watch G one or scram it in after work. Like I honestly didn't know what to do with myself this weekend. It was like Friday, Friday, Saturday night. The idea that there wasn't a show to get up to watch in the morning just was like shit. What do I do with my day now? Um, I'll be honest, it was a struggle getting through with those B blocks. But yeah, I actually struggled to fill fill the time this week. I'm sure you didn't though, JP.
2: I didn't at all. Um, I managed to kind of fit in a, a, a fuck ton of sport, basically. Sport was on in a big way this weekend. Uh, a lot of, like from a fantasy league perspective, and I think none of us want to really elaborate on the point too much. It was a bad week for most of us, unless you had Patrick Bamford up front. But it was just a series of like, oh, for fuck's sakes. And then just sort of wrapped up by a shocking Arsenal performance where I sat there and went, they bring on Vardy half an hour ago. He mm. scores, complete smash and grab. Seen this script many a time. Saw that, cut off the live stream because it was on pay-per-view and then no way in fuck am I buying any of them. Um, and I wouldn't have done even, on, even if I had lots of money because I'm that kind of person. Um, but uh, yeah, Vardy, the, there was that. There was the Six Nations. Snuck mm. in Borat too. Um, or Borat's subsequent movie film.
0: I thought it was Thoughts? good. Yeah, I liked it. I gave it three and a half on a uh, knock grapple on letterboxed. Uh, three and a half stars, which is a, a fair rating, I think. Uh, yeah, it, I think the you know the the format of like oh we're traveling around the country and we're doing all these sit down interviews and the like has kind of like been been done to death. But I don't know the twist on it doing the the Rudy Giuliani stuff and. The stuff with his daughter, and it felt like a very, like, you wouldn't think it watching it, you would think the joke is that it's, like, lol women, but it's actually, like, I feel like, I think because um, Sacha Baron Cohen's got a daughter himself, it's very much, like, the whole point of the movie is, like, look at the way, like, we see women in society type of thing. I feel like it made, like, a a broader point than, uh, than just that Lolly's wearing a fucking a mankini or whatever stuff, which he got some of as well. Uh, but I actually thought it was, uh, it was quite good. I had plenty of laughs watching it. I don't know.
1: Did it, did it like, when I was, saw that it was coming out, I was thinking, oh, aren't people too, like, aware of Borat these days? Like, I haven't watched it yet, kind of thing. Mm. Did, did, yeah. it, did it hold up from that point of view? Yeah, like, that, that, that was cynical. It completely acknowledges
2: it.
0: Yeah, I was going
1: to say. So there's
2: yeah. a bit where he goes out in the streets and people are chasing after him going, Borat. So then it's the reason why he has to wear all the disguises. Mm. Um, and you mentioned about, I think it's called Maria uh, Bakalova. Like, she is fucking fearless. Mm. Like, if you think he's fearless, like, I'll just say the debutant's ball um, as I watched that with my with my sons and who'd seen it the day before. It's the kind of thing that they completely can get on board with. <laughs> mm. There's so much, like, yeah. There's The thing about it that I find fascinating is, and I don't want to spoil it, but they've had to make some enormous changes to the whole thing because mm. of COVID.
0: Mm.
2: And to do it, and to somehow get away with it, um, it's oh. really interesting. Like, I was completely, like, I was, I was, because I had low expectations. I thought, well, an, it's not going to be the same as the first film. A lot of it's going to be the same kind of set up stuff. Um, it, it, it's it's Sasha Baron Cohen doing that. But you mentioned the stuff about his daughter as well. He's very, very politically motivated. There's another thing on Netflix we play like the famous uh, campaigner, Abby Hoffman, mm. um, at the moment as well. He's always brought up, like, he has a lot more sort of, he has a lot of, um, I wouldn't say, like, kind of arguments with social media companies Mm. about, like, the rise of hate speech on social media, particularly Facebook and and anti-Semitism as well, which obviously then you consider that he kind of parodies... Like a lot of that, although the family of one of the Holocaust survivors that he speaks to in it is like, um, I think their
1: family is suing him at the minute. My son was telling me.
2: Hmm. So yeah, that alone. You haven't seen it, Gareth, have you?
1: No, no, I'll. You mentioned it there. I watched that trial of the Chicago Seven at the weekend that is in there on Netflix, and that was that was good. I enjoyed that. Like it was fucking. I don't know if you've seen that at all or not, but it's like definitely worth a watch. But it was not yet just just another one. It feels like every film I seem to watch these days on Netflix and stuff. It's about some like wrongdoing of the legal system or something like that in the you know the sixties or seventies, going back in time. And every time I'm watching it, I'm just like yeah, this is exactly what's fucking going on with us right now, you know, with America and Trump and us and Boris and everything like that. So it's mm. just this whole, like, kind of thing that just has me thinking, like, yeah, we present these nice little films about, oh, look how corrupt everything was in those days, and they try to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and control everything. And I'm like, yeah, open your fucking eyes. Like, <laughs> come on, it's, go- it's going on right in front of us right now, but uh, let's yeah. not get too conspiracy theorist. Let's wait for 10 years' time for Netflix to do that for us. Yeah,
0: you can do it. You can do a whole thing about our. How- we Just apparently in England, we just don't want to feed hungry children. Apparently, uh, turns mm. out Marcus Rashford is actually wrong, um, and all the poor children in the country should just starve. So, yeah, that could be he's a, good a millionaire footballer,
2: serious. can you not stay out of this, please? <laughs> <laughs>
0: honestly, like, I honestly, right? I read, I, I'm not even joking, like, I read his timeline a couple of times this weekend. If people haven't seen it, like, Rashford, like I'm sure people know the story with him trying to get, get free school meals for kids during the school holidays, but like. Like, honestly brought a tear to bear at one point. Like, the amount he's doing. Like, considering, like, oh, Boris and all those cunts are just literally, like... i like, yeah, whatever. You know, I saw that meme going around where it was, like, uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, starving miners. Uh, Boris Johnson, starving miners. Uh, and they agree. You know, it's like... That is literally, like, the the, 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 the motto of uh, the, the Tory party. Um, and then you've got, like, this young footballer trying to put things right. Like, genuinely, like... I don't know improve my 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 outlook on humanity I feel like this weekend all the work that uh, that young lads doing
1: and I, and I think as well with that as well like I, I'd definitely be the most cynical about this with him being a Man United player as well but like uh, it's definitely it's not a PR, PR exercise is it you know it's not just like you know if you see a lot of footballers things that happen like over the years doing little things and like you know trying to and, and it's all just to cover up the fact that they've done some fucking shady incident or something like that that's going to come out in the news of the world on the Sunday or something but with him like it genuinely is just you know it just comes across as just been like mm. absolutely you know I just want to do a bit of good in society and, like, fucking fair play to the lad because uh, there's, think, how many players over the years with the platform that they've had and the money that they've had who could have had equally an equal level of impact. And, yeah, don't Mm. even fucking think twice about it or come near to it. So, yeah, like, go on, Marcus, lad.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I would say we've been plighted in this country by uh, an astonishing amount of thick footballers, Mm. like really thick lads let's be brutally honest a fucking gcse amongst them and all it is is gold phil collins and brexit yeah that's kind of like that's their world views kind of summarized (laughs) is that Well, yeah it's, it's like they're they're the kind of people people that they are whereas on this issue it's very much like marcus rashford um came from a family where he needed like school meals extra mm. like subsidized school meals while he was at school mm. recognizes that is in a position of earning lots and lots of money. And he decided this is where I'm going to spend, spend my time doing this. Mm. And I think that this government, because they are an absolute shower of shit, absolute fucking disgrace of a government at this point. Like there are times where I do wonder if they're kind of genuinely evil, um, really at this point, mm. like, I mean, and uh, you know we can cast dispersions about loads of things about them but like are your tax a low tax ra- low tax rates really that fucking important when it mm. comes to like voting this light out just remember that next fucking time all mm. right anyway i digress i'll save the us politics one for next week
1: <laughs>
2: yeah and it's going to be get up and vote you don't always get what you want i'm sorry he's not perfect are you going to vote for trump then because I, that that's like my attitude when i hear stuff about well i'm not voting for labor because of Keir starmer and you just think, really? Are you going to vote for Boris Johnson next time? Mm. Are you going to vote for the Tories?
0: Mm.
2: Yep, he's, he's not perfect. Get over it. None of us are. Anyway, back to Marcus Rashford, who is kind of perfect. Should be. I would say. Marcus like,
0: Rashford, for prime it, minister. That's my view.
2: All he's interested in is making sure that there are subsidised school meals, uh, subsidised meals for children who need it the most, knowing full well that all the studies link it back to improved academic growth, and fur like, you know, just sort of laying a much better platform, mm. but no, they're holding firm on this tonight. And it's just a battle, which he will win because they threw an MBE his way and he couldn't give a shit. Mm. Like really, what does that mean in the scheme of things? Mm. It's not like the MBE, some exclusive, I don't know if the, if the planet's being destroyed in fucking sort of apocalyptic fashion, the MBE gets you on the spaceship to get you out of it. No, it's just a three letters after your name. Mm. Um, and I just think he like he's an absolute class act, and he follows on from a lot of stuff that LeBron James does in the states as well, which is often sort of underrecognized, particularly in terms of education, but also doing things to combat voter suppression in the states as well. Colin Kaepernick, and all of them get dogs abuse, and I can't think what all three of these sportsmen at times have in common. I don't know. Mm. And Raheem Sterling, who also seems to be uh, yeah. who is setting up a series of char- charities as well. He gets abuse.
1: Mm. And, don't and, worry. Same Harry
2: Kane lives in fucking Essex, so he's fine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and fucking Harry Maguire. Oh, he's just England's hero, Lionheart <laughs> Harry Maguire. He was just caught some uh, <laughs> was d- well,
2: d- yeah, d- it was on holiday. What's the problem? <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, th- I think the most embarrassing it was like this week because, like the like from where I'm from, like back home, like Workington, like the big thing of the election last time was like Workington man, and it was the big thing about how the Tories were like trying to, you know, they were trying to get that working class area of the north and try and switch them to Labour for the Tories with a lot of the fucking. Um, you know, I don't know, spin around that about like people, you know, these people coming from other countries, taking our jobs and all that kind of thing that like so many people bought into and for the first time in my lifetime, work it and switch from being like Labour to the Tories and it like, it clearly, you know, it clearly worked. And like the work at an MP, Mark Jenkinson, cunt on um <laughs> on, on um facebook. do they we... do that
2: when they announce the election results I oh, Jenkinson. <laughs> <laughs> but, he,
1: but he is, he's like there on facebook all weekend and he's saying the reason he voted against uh, marcus rassford's um thing there is because because everyone would just be like trading in the food for drugs anyway so uh, that was that was that was his, that was his reason uh, for for going against it, and you're just like fucking hell. These are the people. These are the people in power. and Like I don't know, you've got these people trying to make positive change, and then you've got fucking moron cunts like this prick, like coming out with things like this. And I don't know, what can you do?
2: Yeah, vote them out next time. That's what we all do. Yeah. Hopefully, vote, vote them out. Don't don't sweat the fucking small shit. Leave that to the side. Mm. What? Let's have those policy battles when we're in fucking power. All right. Getting a power first, yeah. Sorry, no, I don't, but, I don't think. I don't, and, and if you're in the states, get up and vote. You're doing like seriously. Don't fuck about. It's apocalyptic shit. And uh, Joe Biden can stop a No Deal Brexit because they're breaking a Good Friday Agreement. Hold that in mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I, I can't see lads that, like, after like the years of this, have we got any Tory or Republican listeners left? Other than Will, obviously. I don't think we've got anyone who's uh, <laughs> of that persuasion anymore. Not even including Will. Sorry, Will. Uh, We've just
1: we've just lost Mark Jenkinson. Anyway,
0: there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Big grapple <laughs> fan. Um But it's like it's it is encouraging to see like people rally around rally around the like of Marcus Rashford and like even like this weekend with you know Liverpool being on pay per view and that you know the, the fan groups of both Liverpool, Everton and other clubs like just saying basically, you know, rather than give fifteen quid to Sky for one fucking game, how about you just illegally stream it and you give fifteen pounds to like a charity? I did that. I sent some money up, like I felt it felt it felt uh, I don't know, uh, Encouraged by uh by Marcus Rashford, he's uh I think he's making everybody kind of think, oh yeah, I could probably pay it forward a little bit more and like you know get involved in uh in things like that, you know, see a homeless man on the street, buy him a cup of tea, you know, that type of thing, pay it all forward, uh, take some influence from uh from our Marcus Rashford. But yeah, I did I did that on Saturday. Like my my Saturday was like a a full Saturday of illegally streaming events to the point where it felt like it was 2010 again um it's that something like these days like i'm I'm older now so i feel like i'm of that mind of like listen if i can pay a tenner i'll just pay a tenner and get like a get like a decent like view of whatever i want to watch but like this saturday felt like it was like it was like illegal reddit streaming was back because it was like that liverpool game was on pay-per-view ufc was what 25 quid on bt which i can i can live with paying for like a one-off big fight but i'm not that into ufc so i was like ah, i think i'd rather like just send some money over to charity instead but unfortunately the problem is when you do that and you try and watch uh things on illegal streams you remember why you don't because you end up like having about if, if you're anything like me having about 27 tabs open everything's freezing and you kind of think fuck i should have just paid for this but hell firm. him didn't give any money to the uh to the premier league or uh that trump fundraiser that is the uh the ufc and uh and watched it all for free like a like a true rebel although when i watched impact was on saturday nights as well when i watched that i did watch that via our friends of fight so you know uh <laughs> not gonna pay for that either but you know full <laughs> disclosure full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> gravel gareth at gmail.com yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> i found the route <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys watch any of that, GP? I know you're bigger into the uh, the UFC than me. Uh, I watched it because oh, it was yeah. a big fight. That was about it.
2: I I, I would say that the um, uh, the semi main before it was really good as well. Mm. With oh, who was it? Cannonier versus Robert Whitaker. That mm. was also a really good fight. Yeah, I watched it, and like you, I didn't pay for it. And I, I'm I'm very old hat of finding good streams. So what I will say on the pay per view Premier League stuff. That's super sports coverage. Bring it on. All good with it. I haven't seen South African adverts. I was watching Malaysian adverts as well. Um, so I was like, it was it was a nice feeling uh, of all of that. Um, very much sort of two fingers, like you say, to to Dana White and the Premier League. So it was like sort of, from a moral perspective, I felt like no nothing bad at all. In terms of the fights themselves, like I can get why people wouldn't pay for this one because... Gaith G's, if you follow UFC, he's great. He's box office, he's a really good, exciting fighter, but you have to be watching UFC in order to get that. Whereas McGregor Khabib kind of has something to itself. But um it was it, like as a main of like as a main event. I, I I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't see Khabib staying retired necess- for too long. Mm. I think at some point he'll come out. It's it seems to be like because he's so far ahead of everyone else as well. Like he just like as soon as he took like there was just a point where we went, right, fuck this, get him properly down. Just take him down, and then that was it. Once he gets you down on the mat, you're fucked. You can't do anything about it. He'll be back in a couple of years. He's not gonna do like a McGreg- McGregor where he's away for a couple of years and he's away acting the cunt somewhere else over in Dublin at the minute. But yeah, well, he McGreg- was McGregor's
1: shocking. McGregor's promoting himself, isn't he? He's doing his own promotion, kind of thing. And as soon as I saw that from like um, Habib, I just thought, yeah, he's taking on McGregor again. They're going to put on that grudge match, and they're both going to get fucking fifty percent of the pie, and Dana White's going to get nothing of the pie. And like, like, as much as I fucking hate Conor McGregor, fair play to the lads. Get, gr- grab the fucking money while you can.
2: Do you, do you think they would have seriously, like, kind of spoken after the fight they had, saying, seriously, we can do absolutely monster business with us two, like it was with Mayweather McGregor? You know, everything's just thinking, a like, That's us being wrestling fans yeah. like, They've work. always <laughs> wanted to cut out the middleman promoter. I think mm. that's the issue that a lot of fighters have always had because it's mm. just like, why is this person getting all of this money? Mm. And they fancy themselves as promoters. Definitely. And either. working with ex fighters who are promoters. That's why Hoya is still around, certainly in boxing.
1: Mm. It was, was, McGregor's promoting a fight, isn't he? It is like taking on, has he taken on Joe Lozon or something like that? And it's like Conor McGregor promotions or something like that. So it's like, there you go, line him up, get his first fight in. And then it's suddenly, Habib's had a year off. Let's get them two in the ring when there's a crowd. Sorry, get them in a cage when there's a crowd. Get it on pay-per-view. People are going to be fucking dying to pay for it, and those two are just going to be laughing all the way to the bank as they, like, shake hands backstage and chuckle <laughs> away into their respective uh, dressing rooms kind of thing as people believe they've got this huge beef between them. It's all about the money.
0: Take retirement in there as
1: well. It's so wrestling.
2: Hmm. Oh, oh yeah. it was – the the first fight was like like they'd watched UWF backstage and gone, right, how do we replicate this? It's like, <laughs> okay, Khabib, you're gonna just going to do a diving foot stomp off it. We're just going to have a wild brawl in there. You just needed Bill Watts to say, oh my God, see you next week, and then just cut, cut away at that point. Mm. They've got like, there's, there's so much that they can draw on here. But
1: Well, there was, the, there was the whole thing with the coach. There was the whole thing with the coach, wasn't there? Where There was like yeah. smashing windows and all that. I was thinking, that's just Braun Strowman tipping cars over and things like that, really, isn't it? It's all, it's all wrestling. It's, uh, it's all a work.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Countdown UFC cameras were there. It was all a setup. We know what the hell's going on. Um, while we're on like the real sports point like from the footy this weekend sorry to bring it up Gareth I know it's uh, a of subject but yeah I noticed in the uh, I've just had a little look at the the, uh, good website livefpl.net with uh, up to date uh, fancy football standards uh, while we wait for the leagues to update on the proper site today JP you're fifth in the grapple league you're uh, you know you're coming to do what you couldn't do in the voices of wrestling G1 pick'ems Rob Reed's dropped down to third uh, so you're not far from him Chris Ferder is, uh, is top of the league right now JP, you're in the mix. Uh, less, less said about me and Gareth, though, the better.
2: I, I I had an awful week. I had, what, 20 points on the bench, three defenders who all kept clean sheets, all, like, didn't play any of them, including, like, the keeper. Um, if only for Harry Kane and Son. Mm. And it puts me in They've this awful position of being glad that they scored and just thinking, Burnley, please equalise. All I want is four-all draws involving Spurs for a season. Like, <laughs> I'd be kind of happy with that from a fantasy league perspective. But it leaves a very sad taste in my mouth because I couldn't wear a Spurs shirt. Much in the same way, Ben, that I imagine you couldn't wear a Liverpool shirt and that Gareth couldn't wear an Everton shirt. It's I've absurd. got one.
1: <laughs> really? Oh, I had to when I was... Um... We, when I worked at Everton, we uh we did a charity thing where we had to run to the top of the Liver building and oh. then we all had to like there's all like the steps to the top of the Liver building and it's like a big race and all teams do it. And we entered an Everton team and like they made us wear kits to do it. And then, like, when we got down to like the bottom at the end of it, um, Robert L. Stone, who was the chief exec, like he knew I was Sun-town a little and, and it was like it was like, here you go, Gareth. Uh, let, let's get a photo of you for the Echo in front of the Liver Building, like because they had the kit on and I was just like, fuck you, you know. like <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, Have you got this a...
2: copy of the Liverpool Echo.
1: I don't know. That... through the or... you need to find, find this, Jethro. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know, you won't see me in a wolf outfit either doing prostrate examinations <laughs> either, as uh, some people asked me about this week.
0: We tried, we couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> no, oh, you fuck that tier three, eh, Gareth? <laughs> no, you can't get away with that up here, JP. Like I I once played Five Aside with my mates and I was wearing my Everton shirt and I had a pair of red shorts on with it, and one of my mates was literally fuming with me. Like he's one of the more hardcore Evertonians, and I was like, You can't wear red with that shite. You know, what I mean? it's like so you can't wear that red shite with that shirt. It was like, Okay, fair enough, learn my lesson. That's how deep it goes, J.F. Oh,
2: it's I mean, I remember once, I mean I went to Arsenal away um in '95 and I lived in Tottenham at the time, but I had a white Umbro jumper. It wasn't good. But I'll tell you what it did. Was it Umbro ever good?
0: Walk- was Umbro ever in? Nah. Ever?
2: But but Spurs were were had their kit manufacturer at the time, was Umbro. Yeah,
0: um, so was yeah they were
2: they were never good, were they? If you see like an Umbro football boot, you're just like, nah.
0: No, yeah, I, anytime your team um, like gets their kit designed by Umbro, you be like, oh, could it not be nice <laughs> like Adidas or someone? Like, at least you, if you're going to get your kit made in a sweat sweatshop, it could at least be by like a cool brand. You know? <laughs>
2: well, it, it got me back on the walk, back through a load of Spurs fans um, after we'd won 2-0 through too late Ian Wright goals. My brother got me the ticket, mm. Spurs away. That was fucking fun. Kept us in for an hour afterwards. A little bit of kick-off afterwards on Tottenham High Road. Uh, I legged it because
0: I was quite young. Amazing. I love
2: enough for (laughs) you.
0: Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's how me and Gareth uh, defend ourselves in this uh, FPL league right now. Uh, Could be doing the worst, though, bottom of the league still. Tony Khan's cousin, Sunil, has a rock bottom there, uh, and he's about 20 points off the pace as well. I feel like he's trolling us, and he's doing it on purpose.
1: Hey, how did you um, how you get on the draft league this week, Benno? I, I, you were playing my 10-year-old son.
0: Oh yeah, um, yes, I lost to a 10-year-old child, that is the uh, story. And before we uh, press record on this podcast, everyone, Jay, um, Gareth brought his 10-year-old child to his webcam to go, look, there's the lad that you beat this week and I got laughed at. So yeah, if, if being called a virgin last week wasn't enough, I'm now being laughed at by children, everyone. It's like the post-pickums all over again. It's it, it's
2: it's not working out this podcast in life. It's really you Seem not. to be getting
0: really a ton not. of abuse up people. <laughs> oh, I had a terrible time in the draft league though. Yeah, I, I got I've got Aguero and he started playing again. I'm still getting no fucking points. My whole My tactic of going heavy on United and City has not worked out. And yeah, um, you'll like clean the floor with me this week, uh, Gareth. It's
1: it's a long game, isn't it? As, as I keep telling myself, looking at the uh, looking at the overall league. I think as we uh, when we recorded last week, I was feeling quite cocky on that Sunday night at our. Uh, that, that we recorded I think I was like second in the in the grapple league I don't even want to look this week after taking a minus eight minus eight hit for fucking like practically two points or something like that so yeah let's uh let, let's just sweep this one on the carpet and uh Let's think about the uh, think about a long game. Maybe talk about wrestling or something.
0: Uh, Thirty seconds, mate. Happy to help. Just uh, just throw that in there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about wrestling. Like if uh, if people aren't uh, haven't had enough of us back in our bullshit talking politics and fancy football, should we talk about that that fresh, exciting subject that w- there's not done to death as uh as to whether uh Brit Rez is dead or not? Uh, that's a uh, that's the that's the topic of conversation today. <laughs> should we talk that? I'd fucking. Yeah, I, I did that. I did Will Cooling's podcast uh, last week on the Torch, and we had a we had a really nice chat about you know, well, when when exactly did Brit Rez die? Talking about you know, was it you know was the peak the Hydro? Is the peak progress Wembley? You know, when exactly did things start to fall off? Uh, and then yeah, on uh, on Twitter today, poor Will, uh, causing trouble again. Started the, a bit of a conversation. He, he dared to say that after a year where there's uh, there's been speaking out, there's been a worldwide pandemic. Um, on a scene that was already lacking, you know, big names and big stars because they'd all pretty much been swept up in the last couple of years. That maybe, just maybe, when things come back next year, Brett Rez is going to be maybe not quite as good. Um, and as usual, it led to all of the usual seventeen-year-old wrestlers on Twitter and their mates uh, yep. <laughs> kicking off. What do you mean, Brett Rez is dead? Luz, Luz, uh. you know, you got fucking people rolling out their screvious pip-like lists of uh, Moser and Body Guy and all of the all these uh, you know these really over mid cards that are, that are going to sort things out just like they sorted things out uh, in the year before the pandemic uh, there's nothing to worry about that's Brutus isn't dead and it will never die uh, saying that what will never die I think is this conversation uh, but yeah it's it's been a I I, I'm not saying I didn't farm the flames <laughs> <laughs> I really should have printed t- as I said to Will really should have printed a t-shirt we could have made so much money on grapple with that now it feels a bit cal Last to go with Brit Rez's test, but back then there was money to be made. There was merch that.
1: Well, maybe we should flip it and just totally go against what Will said there. And you know, Brit Bress is definitely alive because some like 45-year-old dad of seven, like Dave the Rockstone, is taking on like Terminator Extreme, who's <laughs> ten-stone and age fifteen in a church hall in front of thirty-five people for Exeter Extreme Wrestling or something like that is like is, you know. That's out there. That's happening. So Brit Res Br- Br- is alive. You know, call Meltzer, book Wembley. You know. <laughs>
0: Jesus. Yeah, well, we are we're moments away from the, uh, when, when shows start running again in February, you're going to get those, like, photos of, like, 50 people in a church. Oh, well, Brit Res dead, is it? It's coming. It's coming, <laughs> JP. Oh, no. It, it, it just, so I was out on my walk
2: during all of this and i just felt compl- like so i missed a lot of i came back and i was like what the fuck is going on here and then i thought will must have said something pretty offensive he must have said something like just to stir the pot good mm. lad and then i went back and read his tweet which was pretty much kind of on on the nose about all these quite serious legitimate reasons mm. but no 19 year old wrestling trainee he knows better um (laughs) doesn't he knows exactly about the nuances of uh dealing with not having enough savings in your account so you're not able to kind of you know uh you know draw upon uh uh you know you've had to draw down on your savings you're not going to be able to get loans things like that issues with vod Mm -hmm. yeah misses all of that because there are some really good trainees who i don't doubt there are some excellent trainees up and down the the land Mm. and that that might be one of the things that comes out of a kind of boom of Brit breast training schools that we've also seen that's kind of gone hand in hand with the actual promotions Mm. but that nuanced discussion can never happen Mm. can it that can't happen at all about how do you build it up are we going to be left with a situation where we've got lots of very regional, small promotions who can't really draw more than 200 because there isn't a lack of venues out there. No, Will was clearly just saying, all UK wrestlers are shit. (laughs) That was clearly the big fucking takeaway. Um, And I read this stuff, and I won't lie, and it just gets me angry. And it's just like the kind of, like, some of the defensive, defensive now, they're just thick. Just absolutely, deliberately thick and fucking ignorant. Um, and at times, it's just like, it's just like no, but listen to this child over here. They're the ones who are really in the know. And I, I, I'm kind of done with it because so many people have, like, we've, like, people, again, I mean, there's a phrase that I've sort of been coined with on this show, and I'm just going to say it. And I'm going to change the last word. Read a British history website. For fuck's sakes, when stars disappeared before, everything didn't carry on as brilliantly as it was. When there were none of those kind of big imports that were able to make it over, Rest wasn't doing shit. Mm-hmm. And then I agree with you. And the, the podcast that you did with Will, when you're pointing about like the kind of boom, I was wondering whether it was the Tanahashi match as something that kind of drew people... Like out to, to Red Pro, It was a yeah. thing that kind of drew me there as well.
0: I went for the Okada Osprey match, that was like the first. Yeah. I've, been, I've been going to Northwest Indies and you know, all of my local shows for like you know, the last 20 years pretty much. But like getting me to travel down South to Galicka, going to shows, it was when Red Pro started using the New Japan talent. That's it, I, you're not going to have any
2: people who are WWE contracted on mm. any of these shows, mm. particularly because of COVID now. So you're going to be left with none of these kind of stars to sell it and no imports to sell it. Mm. And I don't doubt they're good, but talent doesn't do it. There are lots of talented football players who play for Fulham at the minute Mm. and they're having their arses kicked kicked most weeks. Yeah? That's like talent doesn't doesn't ensure success. It has to be kind of – you have to kind of bring it through. You have to make sure in this case that they're working against people who are going to help improve them rather than just against themselves. And then you're just hoping that there's some sort of once-in-a-lifetime talent that comes through, and then inevitably they'll get signed away as quickly as anything else. Hmm. So there's an element of realism that needs to happen with a lot of these conversations as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I read it. I just saw lots of hilariously bad, ill-informed takes about it. And if you want the serious answer, no, Brit rest is, isn't dead but it's at the minute it's on its fucking knees.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's the realistic fucking take of all it's of it. It's not this. as catchy
0: that though, JP. <laughs>
1: no, it isn't, and it requires a bit of fucking reading, doesn't it? And a bit more sort of people don't read on Twitter. What are you talking about? They just look and just interpret no. like they interpret based on what one person's opinion who's retweeted it or something like that saying. You know, I think that's definitely one of the uh, the lessons I've uh, I've had today. Like looking at there's some of the responses to will stuff there where you are just like hang about He's put this effort to put in this bullet pointed thing there. That's like really considered and he's detailed out like it from quite a few different angles, thinking about a lot of different things and then like people just, yeah, yeah, too long, didn't read. And I'm just going to fucking read into it what I want. And you know, for me, it does just like, it just boils down to that. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not too proud to admit the reason I got into Brit Rest was because AJ Styles and Prince Devitt were fucking wrestling at PCW, like mm. 35 miles down the road from me in Preston. And it was only because of AJ Styles and Prince Devitt joined me at Preston that I got into your Joey As and your Martin Kirby's and your Rampage Browns and people like that of this world, which in turn got me into your... Tell bannums and your big T's and your shake El shams and things mm. like that by hanging around and seeing these guys and thinking that they're good and things like that. But there's no way that like fucking Johnny No Name kick pads kind of thing is pulling some new fan to the to the to an arena somewhere because he's because he's good and because he you know he can he, he can pull out these amazing moves or something like that. There's got to be that hook that gets people there, and that's not something that's going to be going to be out there anymore. You know, like. And it used to infuriate me, like, obviously, when I wasn't doing this and you would talk about, like, Britress is dead, Benno, and I'd mm-hmm. see people on Twitter just going, like, just totally reading it wrong and just thinking you were trying to – and people would be replying to you, like, like Britwrest is alive. Promotions. And again, it'd be, it'd be, because this show's on here this weekend, you know, like, yeah. you know, what the example I used before, like, Exeter Extreme Wrestling in front of 30 people. Britress isn't dead because we're still running kind of thing. And it's like, no, the point is at one point there, like – British wrestling was the talk of the world or it was at least considered to be something that was, you know, mm. definitely this this area of the world that you needed to to watch and talk about because as well as the modern, you know, British, you know, the best British talent that was coming through, you had, your, you know, great independent workers from America or Japan and things like that crossing through and putting on these like real unique matches and that's just not happening and it's not going to happen for the next five years or 10 years because people just can't, people just can't work for anybody they want to work for these days and mm. the level of talent that is in britain is different to what it was when you had you know you had your sabers and your ospreys and things like that coming through and you could be pairing up you know if you think we had the fucking books here and mega and all that kind that shit ain't happening anymore you're not putting on matches like that mm. like, uh, you work <laughs> exactly you know it's just it just it, it, it just ain't happening and like the whole structure of wrestling has changed, and the fact that people can't see that, and they, you know, never mind speaking out, and never mind, like, coronavirus and things. You almost take those two things out of the equation. The landscape of wrestling has changed to the extent that we can't have that same situation that we, that we enjoyed, that perfect storm of everything coming together, and, That's like, once you throw these speaking out and coronavirus into the mix, like... Jesus, the fact that some people can't see that is frightening. Absolutely frightening. Mm,
0: yeah, it is. And it's just like this idea that, yeah, people are going to turn out in the droves, just like despite that, despite those things that have happened this year to see, to, to charitably go there and cheer on these mid-carders that might be really good in six or seven years like it's just it's you're just burying your head in the sand and I think a lot of it comes from people i think who just didn't live through it like you said gareth i was at those pcw shows in the you know the 11s and the 12s and like was there in the dark days of the scene in like the mid 2000s when it was like you know people people will say that well it was it was once on its ass before so we'll just do it again like not realizing you know, the amount of things that had to come together for like you know are like, you know, local level wrestlers to, you know, to, to get better, you know, working with imports in the mid 2000s, whether it's your Chris Travis's of the world and, you know, other people of that generation who, who worked with each other and, and therefore made each other better and then worked with imports and then they got better. And then, you know, they say, you know, PCW started running super shows and that was kind of the boom we had up, up North, uh, in the early 2010s. And then, yeah, like you say, the, I think, I think the big thing is like, it's, one thing I think I had to miss from the conversation is like how big Brit Resby and like this cool. Thing, I mean, I say cool, but you know, as cool as it can be, type of thing yeah. was was what you know created this boom. Like, I if you told me when I was going to like Future Shock and GPW shows in like 2007 that like people would sit and watch G- Brit Res on VOD, I'd be like, fuck off, that's not happening. And then PCW came along, and then you know had high production values, and then progress, and you know Rev Pro got their shit together, and you know before you know it, yeah, that that did happen. But like a lot of it was was due to just you know it became. A cool place to be we had all these co- cool imports coming in we had all of these young wrestlers who've been around for a while were we starting to peak um and it was i think the big thing you know you, you mentioned you know speaking out on that and not to not to talk about that lightly but you know the idea that BritRes res was a it was a night out like you know, we're we're pretending here that like the Brit Res broom had as much to do with the actual wrestling in the ring as it did for I can go to like a meet and greet and meet this famous wrestler now, or I can go and meet my mates and get drunk. Like the amount of like the Brit Res broom that is caked in that that culture yeah. Which is gonna be gone? Like, whether you want to blame COVID because we're gonna have social distancing for fuck knows how long, or you want to blame, and you should probably blame, speak it out. Um, you know, this summer and all the things we found out about why, you know, well, a light was shone on why that culture was toxic and is, you know, a bad, you know, that the it's no coincidence that like the uh, the centerpiece of all of the allegations in the summer was your Fight Club pros and your ICWs and your progressors where that fan culture was, you know, so dominant um you take that away and what is brit res it's like you said gareth it's a it's some shows running around the country that will be running with talented young wrestlers who are going to be you know fine but this hot scene that the world was paying attention to that you know was getting watched by you know podcasts abroad and and considered on you know on worldwide ballots when it came to match of the year and wrestler of the year stuff like i say never mind you know, the top level of talent being scooped up over the last couple of years, it's it's all of those factors as well. And yeah, like you said, we'll try to put that point across, but it just kind of gets, and it's partly my fault, gets swept up in a, no, British isn't dead kind of <laughs> meme. And yeah, I do, uh, I do definitely regret that at this point.
1: <laughs> I think as well, though, like one of the things that people just seem to be forgetting as well is like things were tapering off, Last year, before coming totally, out of virus, yeah. before, before speaking out, you know, like I, I think sometimes, again, because of because of you guys, <laughs> um, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably the Grapple podcast probably gets like tarred with being a bit like anti-progress, yeah. like, uh, you know, or, or a lot anti-progress kind of thing. Whereas, <laughs> like, you know, I think I speak as someone who, you know, we'd we'd obviously like talk about it and laugh about it. Like, I'd I'd still be, like, I still had a season ticket of progress yeah. up until, like last year you know kind of thing I was still making that trip down every you know for one the idea that I was making a trip down to London every fucking two weeks or three weeks or something Mm -hmm. like that from Liverpool to go and watch wrestling is fucking bizarre to me from a thinking back to that PCW days kind of thing it's almost like you know you go to London once was a big like a big thing to go and see a show never mind going like that regular and then and then you know, it was getting to the stage at the end where I was literally going to shows at the ballroom, and I knew maybe like two people there, and like, you know, I was like sitting, I was sitting on a row where there'd be like me, and then maybe like three other people on a row with like twelve or something like that, where there'd be, you know, in previous days it would have been packed. So it's not like has died now, or it's died because of speaking out or cor- or coronavirus or whatever. The whole everything that went along with the WWE stuff and the cooling down of the of the of the Industry itself has just like totally, you know, tapered into that. And then I think there's people out there who honestly believe that if in 2021 and it's fine to go to shows again and progress to run a show at the ballroom, there's going to be 800 people there. And there wasn't like, like I think they sold out Chapter 100, mm. but I don't think they sold out like eight you know eight shows around that kind of thing and you know that's Mm -hmm. not me sticking the knife in like i've I've been as big a progressive fan as anyone they were fucking great to me like uh, yeah in terms of when i set the app up and doing like the progress top 10 and things like that like you know i've got no axe to grind with some of them guys on a personal level you know Mm -hmm. but it's just a fact they weren't selling out shows people weren't going to them shows and like you know I'd I'd be amazed if they can get anywhere near that level, especially with the talent that's going to be available to them. You know, when when things do go up and running, I fucking hope they do because that's great because it'd be great for British wrestling if they do. But I'm a realist and I'm fucking... Think about things properly. I don't just go, yeah. There's this lad who can do flips who's age sixteen in a gym somewhere. Yeah, the rest is fine, kind of thing. You know, I look at it on a worried perspective as like, no, I want there to be a scene. I want to be able to go somewhere where I can watch top class wrestling, where I can like see a group of people who are all excited to go to that same event as me. And like, I just don't think it's going to be there. And I think like, and and I think people are kidding themselves. They're absolutely kidding themselves if I think it's going to be that way.
2: Yeah, completely agree with that. I mean, it, it, it's it's a case where this is ah, uh, uh, I mean, I always thought what progress did so well was like people talked about the storylines and creative and things like that. It wasn't. It was a, like in terms of marketing, they turned going to wrestling into being a kind of a cool event. Yeah, it was a cool. It was a cool thing to do, and it had this kind of drinking culture around it, like Fight Club Pro, like ICW, mm. and those are the things that are kind of, you know, appealing to people to go and have these big meetups as much as anything else. And I just can't see that taking place. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a case where the whole scene is going to need to, uh, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, after what you were saying about when the absolute peak was, and I wondered whether or not it was that NXT UK tournament, the first one, Mm. is that the absolute peak of it? And then at that point, all the kind of bad signs start to cut. It's not from a, all from a business perspective of things tapering down because that always takes like a year. Look yeah. at WCW, read a history book. You know, like it was the case, what was 98 was their best year ever and mm. it was an awful year for creative. So it takes like, a, there's there's a staggered effect when it works its way through. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of, and you, you will have seen them, and I enjoy going to a lot of these shows, you know, there's going to be a trial and error process. It's going to be a lot of pressure on people who've been wrestling for quite a long time, but haven't been able to dedicate to it as a full-time profession. To mm. so all of a sudden kind of be locker room leaders and leaders in the ring. And that's going to be a new position for a lot of wrestlers. So it's actually quite nuanced mm. in terms of how do you develop talent over this period where there isn't going to be that many imports coming because who's going to be able to afford them, you know, You can't share the flight. Sharing the flying costs is something that's not going to be necessarily doable. If yeah, exactly. And there's so many ifs, buts, and maybes with a lot of this that I'm not expecting to kind of see people possibly like you know 2022, and I'd already kind of been phasing out of going to Brit shows outside of the kind of big ones anyway over 2019. So it feels like you know, and we're people who absolutely. You know, clearly, been doing this podcast for what coming up to four years now, Mm -hmm. which has kind of all started from that boom period as well. Totally, it's it's a it it feels to me like there is that you need to be kind of we need to be kind of really mature about this, and Mm. that things are going to take time. It's like putting all your hope into the APPG stuff. Mm. It's like any effect it might have. And that's a big might, because these things are, you know, effectively where they're going to ask a question. But as I said at the start of the show, remember who's in power. And remember the fact they don't like feeding starving children. And then ask yourself, do they give a shit about wrestling? So, like, when it, when it comes into, like, various kind of uh, legal changes or unionization, those things are quite a while away. So there's just going to be this big rebuilding process that happens over that time and hopefully there's a few things that stick and hopefully a few people are able to stay around so they're going to be able to unless they get signed anyone good gets signed up on mothballed in in, en- in enfield because ultimately it's a steady income at a time when so many people if they've had any savings at all have had to completely draw down on those and you see lots of stories of wrestlers having to sell their gear and stuff like that that doesn't suggest the boom times are coming back
0: no no, you know, and there's gonna be that moral question of whether people want to go to shows, like it's like yeah. like I talked up with Will, you know, I think some of the the venom that goes towards like you know. RevPro in general and Glenn and people won't watch these these pay-per-views they put a pay-per-view on, on Twitch for free this Sunday and they were still they were, you know they were getting more abuse than actual people chatting about it um uh, this weekend that so you would think if people feel that strongly about RevPro are people going to go to Fight Club Pro in a rebranded way you know the return of progress your you know your ICWs of the world like people if people are checked out for that I would think for for the places where there was even where, where the series abuse took place, people are gonna have people are gonna have a moral question about who they who they want to see to see wrestle, who they you know which companies they want to support, like that fan base that you know is so engaged and so involved in all all this stuff that led to speaking up this summer, like they're the people who were also you know fronting the Res. they're the ones who were paying for this boom period, and I think you've got a lot of people who are disconnected from the scene now. You know, that like I saw um Akil put on Twitter today that, you know, there's a lot of people who made Britrez their entire personality. Uh, who were gonna have to he put it in a different way than this, but you know, who are gonna have to, you know, think of some I think that's what it is. I think there's a lot of people who made Britrez such a big part of their life and you know, I was there too. Um who are now having to deal with the fact that yeah, that, that scene that they knew and that, that culture that they knew and those friends that they knew, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the same. And I think a lot of it's defensive. Um in that way, because of that too, um, but you know, it's you know, we're, we're in the world though. You know, we found fa- we found out today one that Brit Res is, is is dead again, and that uh, Sabu is cancelled. So you know, we're we're learning new things today, That's That's uh... no. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I know Sabu of all people, mate. He did the uh, he did the tweet. So he he replied to Jordan right, with it. a with a with a weird gross tweet calling a fat or something like that. It's like, Sabu, oh, Sabu, I know, I know. ECW dropped on his head really? for years. Bit of a scumbag. Plenty of stories about him. Yeah, all my uh, my expectations were dashed on him today. So I learned two big uh, two big lessons today.
1: You be telling me that Dick Murdoch's <laughs> Dick, a tosser next.
0: Dick, he's all right. <laughs> it
1: is, is that from JP, that's a quote.
0: <laughs> was... Dick, he's all right. There you go, JT. Yeah, had everyone. It's, yeah.
2: I forgotten what I was going to say there. I,
1: I, I, th- I, I think another thing though, as well, there that you're saying, like Beno. No as well as from that big company trust as well. But a lot of what I saw on Twitter today was people talking about these smaller local promotions and it'd been almost like, yeah, we're, you know, we're still here and there's new talent and this is where it's going to feed through. And again, you you can't quantify it, but if the people who have been at the top of the industry, uh, working for the likes of progress and red pro and OTT and things like that have been outed as being, you know the people that they have and the behavior that they've seen at training schools and things like that like how much are people even going to trust these local small Mm. promotions again anyway because it certainly you know it makes me think about like you know when you saw a lot of things i mean locally to us there was that gym in runcorn and things that there was a lot of like real negativity attached to and things like that and you think they're they're flying under the radar even more than than at the top level of the industry as well and then so it's like at this smaller show level and smaller promotion level and they're they're feeding through these smaller gyms like I don't know why should I trust that I can go to a show that's run by these guys with these people that I don't know that I don't know who the trainers are that there's almost like less consequences for and things like that that When at the absolute top of the industry, these people who were literally signed to WWE and signed to, you know, major promotions or they're at least working with major independent promotions and they're still getting away with this shit. Like, like, and, you know, obviously you're not saying it is happening kind of thing, but there's been plenty of evidence there that that it is happening. And my faith in going to those kind of shows as well is probably as shattered as much as it is going to the big shows kind of thing because it, it makes me just think like i don't know you know there's been all this all this stuff about oh yeah we need to have you know the likes of rev Pro putting their policies out and progress putting their statements out and things and teaming up with equity and all different things like that these guys aren't going to be doing any of that and then so are you supposed to just sort of support them going forward because you want to sustain the scene and you want like Mm-hmm. These young guys to come through. You know, you do want to do that kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of people there who are going to have question marks in their minds where, you know, there wouldn't have been question marks in the past. I would have quite happily just randomly turned up to a show on, you know, if I just happened to be in a random town for the weekend kind of thing and I saw there was a show on, I'd have probably just gone to the show. And right now you're sort of thinking, Mm, I don't know who are these guys. Of the what's their backstory? You know, do it. Is, you know, was anything said about them? Kind of thing during speaking out and things like that. And I think there's probably. You know, I think there's probably an, an element of a lot of people as well that have got the same opinion there as well, because there definitely is that. You know, how many times during the last few months have you have you maybe said something about a wrestler and then somebody's replied to you and gone, Oh, oh, I wouldn't mention him, or you know, like, oh, you don't want to be watching his matches or something like that. And then you've missed something on Twitter because you you haven't found out about you know, you haven't heard this thing about them. And I think there's there's such a lack of trust and knowledge in the industry now as well kind of thing i think that's damaged things too really that you know you're probably going to get these people steering away from from those type of promotions
2: and as a lesson to the kind of younger wrestlers who like kind of enjoy the pylon aspect all that does is reinforce the thing that kind of really was exacerbated by speaking out which is this disconnect in the relationship between the wrestlers and the fans and the relationship that really in many ways shouldn't exist in the first place. But that kind of sense of hatred by wrestlers for Mm -hmm. fans when they speak up about stuff in the industry, which was tiresome in the nineties. Like Mm -hmm. I find that stuff like tiresome. Now it's like, I'm sorry, the genie's out of the bottle. Stop fucking pretending. It's, it's a work. We know how this operates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a few books on it, Um, and uh, maybe, um, like that's the thing I found that was also kind of disturbing to it that he kind of resorted to that very very quickly, out of it. And it's not a case where Will said Will said Will Cooling said we were all shit. No, he didn't. Read the fucking tweet again. Yeah, and if you haven't, maybe thinking getting yourself to a further education college.
0: <laughs> there you go, and JP will teach you too. Um... <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> no, I won't. My uh... classes are full. <laughs> Look, JP, Brute isn't for the fans, it's for the wrestlers. And giving any kind of impartial opinion, yeah. that's just mean. Like, you know, we need to just stop being mean. Um, stop having a go at all these poor wrestlers trying to uh, make a living, JP. It's unbelievable. Um, but yeah. Not
2: the wrestler who called uh, shout out, calling someone a nonce. <laughs> that one, yeah. That that was all right, was it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kicked off a little bit today, but I'm sure it'll. Uh... Mr. Custom Video himself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we all got something Sorry. off our chest a little bit there, and, yeah, like you said, the, the conversation kind of started with that podcast, and then with Will on the torch, So I do feel like we uh, we lit the flame a little bit there. But you know, you can go check that podcast; out look for more detailed thoughts on that. Um, we said we're not the Brit Res podcast anymore, lads, but I think we spent about forty minutes on that. That's how that's how that's how impassioned we are. People say we don't care about Brit Res; we do care. That's why we uh, that's why we rant, and that's why we you know we give the takes that we do because, like Gareth said earlier, we would actually like it to be good. Um... Yeah. Yeah. The reality is I think uh, a lot of people are going to get a sharp shop in uh, in 2021. Um, but should we move on? Should we talk some of the other stuff we've uh, we've been watching uh, this last weekend? Uh, non Brit res. Uh, let's get away from all the problematic stuff, lads, and let's talk about uh, world wrestling entertainment and impact wrestling. That's where uh, you know, <laughs> that's where Clean all the other good stuff happens. Cut family fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No issues there. Uh, did either of you watch much of uh, Hell in a Cell on Sunday? Uh, did you know Hell in a Cell was on Sunday? Uh, I knew because it was an eleven o'clock start, and I'm a sucker for that when uh, when the clocks change and uh you get a, I i remember like the all years, years ago when i was actually invested in wwe this was always a great period this with the uh, you know the shows starting a little bit earlier with uh the american clocks not changing quite yet and you get like a little mini version of that like around wrestlemania time as well i was all hyped up for hell in a cell i uh, couldn't have told you what was on it but you know i watched it uh, <laughs> i assume you guys didn't watch this thing live no
1: no
2: <laughs> no. What have you actually seen? We've all been bitten so many times by them. Yeah. That live investment isn't something that's going to happen. Yeah. You could have just. Let alone w- payment for their goods and services. They should be very lucky. If that ever happens again,
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that was another one where I uh, I watched wrestling um, dot LA to, uh, <laughs> to, to to see this. Um, good lad. <laughs> to be fair though, you could have just watched that first hour and moved on. To be honest, um, I'm saying that there was the uh, the women's uh, Hell in the Cell match was very good mm. as well. Have you guys seen the at least the, the main matches from it? Then did you uh, did you use the app, Gareth? And I'm uh, uh, pick and choose.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, d- I definitely did. I mean, I've gone from sitting up in the middle of the night putting WWE matches on one by one as they've been happening live to putting out tweets saying like, yeah, just to let you know, we won't be putting... This tonight's whatever pay-per-view, you know, won't be going on live, but it'll be on first thing tomorrow to the point where last night I didn't even tweet to tell anybody that I wouldn't be putting it on live. And then I don't think I actually even put it on the app till midday. And I literally that. no literally nobody even like DM'd me or emailed me or anything to say like, where's where's hell in the cell? Whereas, you know, I'll probably get more people asking me where like stardom is and things like that, you know, than than um than than this. So it just in our small kind of uh in in our small Cross section of society there. I don't think anyone knew or cared that Helen uh, Cell wasn't on the app anyway. Uh, very uh, uh, very soon, but I mean, when I did get it up and I looked at the ratings, I thought, yeah, there's only uh, there's only two things I'm actually going to be bothered about watching here. So, um, yeah, it definitely saved me probably about three and a half hours there and managed to just tune into tune tune into an hour in total and just just watch one one match. But I mean. Oh, I mean,
2: <laughs> sums up how I felt.
1: I mean, splitting this out. I mean, into in total, you know. I think I think as a precursor to my opinions here, I think, like, I think I almost would like want a precursor. It's saying that like I've barely watched any WWE product this year. You know, I've watched probably. I don't know, 75% of pay-per-views, if that, maybe 60%, maybe, like, pick-and-choose a few matches. So, in theory, I'm not, like, a jaded fan to the WWE product. I'm kind of, you'd, you'd sort of almost say that I'm, like, taking a break from the product a little bit and just, you know, dipping back in, you know, dipping out as a fan of 30-plus years, you know, like, thinking, yeah, yeah, let you know, let's let's give it a go. But, like, fucking hell I mean this this first match for me and I have seen the ratings on the app that clearly a lot of people fucking enjoyed this first match but my god like I've gone one star on this first match between the tribal chief Roman Reigns and J.U. so (laughs) it's uh, like ah I mean literally I was immediately taken out of it by the god awful like booze and like like stock tapes boo footage kind of thing that they had like going on over there it was absolutely like immediately i was just like oh come on kind of give me a break kind of thing because it just all felt a bit different and a bit new especially when you've been watching the G1 and you've been used to the same dynamic and things like that so it was kind of i don't know it was more positive than I've been like going into a WWE pay-per-view than 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 recently especially kind of cuz there was good ratings on the on the uh, on the app for this first match but then then like roman reigns comes out and that kind of like dissipated a little bit because you know it looks great like that new look for him and things like that He's, he essentially, to me, is like he'd be a WWE star in the 80s or the 90s or anything mm. like that. He looks fucking great. He's, like, ripped to shreds. He looked like he could absolutely fucking fuck you up properly. He's, like, got star quality and everything like that. And then, like, within minutes, like, the melodrama starts. Like, I've changed because I have to and stuff. is like, chanting at J.U. Uso, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And then, like, Corey Graves is there on commentary giving it the whole, like, all Jey had to do was say that Roman Reigns was his tribal chief kind of thing. And like my wife was in the room at that point and I just look at her and she's just like looking back and forward to me and just like sniggering and like, just like, what the fuck is this shit kind of thing? And like, you're just like, Oh God, like, what am I watching? And then I'm just <laughs> the amount of verbiage, the amount of dialogue and things like that, that was, that was coming out there. And it's just like, you know, like oh, I, I, I don't want to have to do this, or you don't understand I'm the man. I'm the tribal chief and all these, like, stock lines that have been fed to him. I'm just like, what What the fuck am I watching? Like, is is this wrestling? Or, Or, like, you know, I've said this before. It's just pure, like, high school, sixth form, putting on a play for the parents to come to watch, like, terrible, terribly written, like, melodrama. And then, like, and then I was trying to kind of, like, separate that side of it and think, okay, let's focus on the match kind of thing people have given this a good rating let's let's try and forget about all this all this bollocks, but even the match itself like it lasted half an hour, and like what happened? what happened in a hell in the cell match to make somebody quit to make somebody be it's like I quit, I am gonna make you quit, I am gonna fuck you up so badly that you wanna quit, and like like I think the first time, like normally in these sort of matches, you get the the ref like going on, and he's looking at you. You know, you're hearing that like, "What do you say? What do you say?" kind of thing, and it's like, "Do you quit? Do you quit?" And i like, I think the first time I heard it was when like Jey Uso like hit a big splash off the top rope on Roman Reigns, and and I was like, what? Well, "He's going to quit because somebody did a big splash on the top rope of him." Like, kind of like, what the like, what <laughs> like, and that like that just like totally totally took me out of it. As well, there was like that. Honestly, I do not understand in the slightest how anybody could possibly have given this match the level of rating that it has got on Grapple. Like the m- amount of fucking bullshit like just talking and melodrama that just went into this match and just like in a half an hour match there was probably about like 10 minutes of wrestling of which none of it was actually that vicious for like a hell in a cell match none of it was actually centered around trying to make somebody quit like oh somebody got hit with a belt for a bit kind of thing but otherwise they just like stood around and told them what a bad cousin they were or something like that and you know like sat in the middle of the ring cross-legged at the end crying because his brother's coming who he used to like knock about with and play with his kids and things like that and then and then he and then he just quit to save his brother from being beat up who'd been beat up for about four minutes or something like that like honestly like talk about Bring me coming into this thing totally cold, quite positive, thinking, let's give it a go. I like the look of this Roman Reigns character. And then just like walking away from it. And just like, if I, if I never hear the words, tribal chief again in my life, I must have heard it 40 times during that match. It was, uh, uh, you know. And literally, the only enjoyment I got was like Roman celebrating with his nans at the top of the ramp at the end of the match. His <laughs> like, two like, nans. <laughs> literally... One star, absolutely wow. speechless. Like I just, I, I, I hated it. Thirty minutes of my life tonight that I could have been watching that New Japan six man that I never got around to watching, and oh like just, I give up. Honestly, I
0: liked it. <laughs> I'm one of the people what did you like hungry? about
1: it. What, what did you possibly you know like about this?
0: Tell me what was good about it. I don't disagree in like a broad sense that I hate the Shawn Michaels "Sorry, I love you" like fucking melodramatic stop the match and let's turn the mics up and do some dialogue stuff. Like completely agree. I hate that stuff. I do. And you're right. Like this wasn't like uh, the blood feud kind of you know bloody cage match that it was kind of in a way, promoted as, you know, the Usos talking up that they were going to, you know, do some damage to Roman, and Roman talking up he was going to do some damage for them. You didn't get that. But I was, honestly, I was, I was the bit i disagree on was Roman. Like, I was completely, completely bought into his performance in it. And I've seen, like, both sides of the, the take. I've seen, like, Twitter seemed like it was split down the middle on it. There were people who fucking loved it, like, like, John Pollock and those people who absolutely hated it, like the, like, the voices of wrestling lads. And I've seen every take in between as well. But for me like I, I mean I'm I'm up I'm there with like the higher raters on grapple I gave this 3.75 Gareth uh, I don't know if you want to kick me off the app but um for me it was that it was that Roman Reigns. No, fire. <laughs> it was that uh, for this after all the things I've done all the things we've uh, we've done to uh, to drag grapple through the mud can't believe it's uh it's me, held at a accelerate rating <laughs> that's done it um, but yeah it was it was for me the difference here was the fact that this was this was not, you know, this wasn't Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa doing this on NXT or like two, maybe not them, maybe like, you know, no, they'll do like this dramatic shit with like two people who've been feuding for a month. I feel like this is a story where you can do this, where it had earned it a little bit more and there is that. I know you don't, you know, the whole, uh, the family, I am the tribal chief dynamic stuff. I, I kind of get like a kick out of that. I quite enjoy that stuff. But I feel like this was a few where you could get away with that. And I honestly, like I know got a script. I thought Roman was great. I honestly like I've I've again I've seen every take under the sun from his acting being hammy to his acting being. I thought his acting was fantastic. I thought he was great. I really I believed him when he was shedding those tears in the middle of the ring. I'm sorry. I'm maybe it's the fact that you know like you say he's got his new uh, topless look and he's looking like a million dollars and I'm I'm buying into this uh, this new Roman that uh, that always should have been the old Roman um but yeah there's something that you know he comes across as like the biggest star in the company right now that he that he never did before and i've enjoyed this feud like i hate wwe tv there's nothing much else like that i'm going to talk up about wwe but i i have enjoyed this stuff and it's one occasion where i felt like i could let the melodrama slide and i agree it was too long like it should have if it was 20 minutes i think this would have been a lot more effective than the 35 minutes, or whatever it it, it turned into with the uh, with the extra stuff at the start and the uh, and the end. But yeah, I just I bought in on Roman, um, and it worked for me. Like, and it is the type of match that I would normally completely hate on site. But yeah, something about this feud uh, pulled me in. Uh, sorry, Gareth, uh, can I still stay on the podcast? Uh, Go on, <laughs> can on, I guys. keep me grapple t-shirts? I don't <laughs> want to send that back. <laughs>
2: um. I, oh God, you both. I, so I went three stars on it, but oh, it was more up. in the sense that I, so I didn't see the match they had the month before. and that Which is funny because that be one,
0: like, I kind of, oh, I felt the same mm-hmm. way. Like I, with that one, I was like, I was enjoying the match and then the melodrama took up, took away from it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was on this podcast saying how much I, I probably would have rated the first half of the match four stars and the second half of the match two stars um i don't know i didn't have as much of a problem with that this time well the way i kind of feel about it
2: is it's a storyline that in its basic kind of framework i can completely get on board with because it ties in the idea of roman as heel and he is he looks like the biggest star kind of immediately on this the real tragedy is he hasn't got the fans to bounce against because that's the added edge that would really be there and that's where the piped in booze are really frustrating because that feels like it's, it's just like this kind of inauthentic reaction to something that people have wanted for a really long time. Yeah. And it's very clear that he needed that. He needs the heel run before becoming the mega face. Like that was always something that seemed very obvious to all of us. It was like, look, you've got the framework with this set out with Austin and the rock where you get this kind of ultra hot heel character. And then they become face because people enjoy seeing them so much. Um, But there's lots of what Gareth said that I I do on the whole agree with. I just haven't been as brutal in the rating. Mm. Um, like as a match, like I didn't really feel like it was a match. And in some ways, if you told me that Bailey versus Sasha was an I Quit match and this wasn't, I could almost get completely on board with that because that was wrestled more like two people in a long term feud. Like I felt like a blow off to a feud it should have been the main event. Hmm. That main event, I'll never watch because it's a half an hour around the Orton match. <laughs> so that, that's not happening. Yeah. Like, And I've been more positive on Drew McIntyre than I think most. Um, And I would be like to see a run in front of fans to see how that would actually work. I think he's kind of deserves that. But in terms of this match, the melodrama was so heavy-handed and they've got completely the wrong commentators. You can do this in a way that, but it requires, like, if AEW did this, they've got commentators who kind of know how to straddle that line of the kind of melodrama stuff. Here, they don't. Corey Graves doesn't. Like, he, he, there's no fucking subtlety there at all. Mm. So it is tribal chief, tribal chief. Was it Head of the Table? Did that come up a lot? It yeah. did. Um, yeah, I, I it made me pine for the days of the big dog. And they're bleak, bleak days. <laughs> but as a match it wasn't wrestled in a way like it was this vicious blood feud. It's like the, the setting up of it and how the match was booked didn't really work. And it was so overblown that like, I couldn't get on board with any of the kind of high rating stuff. I understand the entertainment aspect that I kind of get. And I've been in this weird kind of TNA impact slash new Japan G one kind of moving between those worlds in the last kind of week that, in some ways, I was kind of up for seeing it, but I felt let down. Mm. It felt like there's this potentially good feud here. And the way the direction they are going to go is where Jay Uso actually does join and he's his henchman. And you kind of think, yeah, like them as the heel faction would be really good. I like the idea that if you're going to promote kind of new headliners, it's like the same thing I feel about New Day like i'm fine with the idea of this but i fear that the direction they might go in is some sort of brother versus brother feud which never often works out unless you're brett and owen at wrestlemania 10 you know very rarely does that actually kind of work so i don't have any faith of the long-term direction so i don't have any investment in this i'm very intrigued to see what they do with with roman Hmm. i thought the the touch with Heyman being there because he's got a relationship with the wild samoans i think there's a there's a nice thing for those kind of longer term fans to kind of get on, get on board with. But yeah, I felt afterwards at the end of it, I was like, Jesus, that was fucking so over the top that yeah, I went three stars. It's funny. You're like I the mean, only man that, I can see you. That, you mean, you
1: mentioned like, you mentioned like Heyman there, like to yeah. me, Heyman was just like a non-factor. He just, yeah. it, was, it was pointless. It was, it, there was literally zero need for him to be there like it just didn't it didn't seem to do anything as as far as I I was concerned but like I think that line for me that you said there like that you referred to like I missed referencing that the head of the table never quits Roman says as he's (laughs) like leaning over like leaning over him like, what? Who the fuck says that? Like, you know, when I'm, like, talking about, like, Roman Reigns looking like this massive, hard-bastard, star-quality person, and then whether he's a heel or a face, they've just got this, like, unmeasurable quality to just be able to turn him into the biggest fucking, like, unrelatable nerd in the whole world just by having him just say, like, ridiculous things and, like... like yeah, I mean, you say you were saying there, Benno, about like the "I'm sorry, I love you" kind of thing, and mm-hmm. like at the time, I fucking loved that. That was that mm. was great. It was a it was a one second kind of it was a little just a split second thing in the middle of a like a match that just worked for what it was kind of thing at the time. Like here now, you've got people having to do you, they've got to say something every two minutes or every three minutes. They've got to like repeat this contrived dialogue kind of thing to to. We make movies, pal, and, like, tell stories kind of kind of thing like this. Like, I was thinking about that, like, I'm sorry I love you, and can you imagine that now? Can you imagine if they tried to do the I'm sorry I love you moment now? Like, like, It'll be, like, half an hour. I, yeah, yeah. I most humbly apologize for the actions I'm about to bestow on you and your legacy, and, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but before I do, like, je t'aime or something, you know, it would just be like... <laughs> that, you know, it would have some writer in the back. Like it, that's what it would be now. It would be some ridiculous thing. You'd be looking at Shawn Michaels and just being like, "Why has he said that? What? What would he ever say that? Like, am I supposed to be on board with this guy? Kind of thing. Like, like no. And that's just like it feels like every time I watch a the product these days, it it just goes back to that. Whether it's NXT or whether it's uh, or whether it's this, and it's just like. No, let's fucking let's fucking dial it back a bit here, lads, and just let's have some fucking argument in wrestling and have people talking like people actually talk in real life.
0: I don't know about you guys. That's how I talk in real life. Uh, me and my brothers are always <laughs> fighting over who's the tribal chief. Don't know what you're about. Um, no, I think I think it's quite funny because, like JP, you're like the the you know the the reasoned kind of middle ground as you normally are. But like I look at Grapple, it is purely Story like, of my life. It is purely though. It's like people giving it four and five stars and people giving it one star. Like that is like the way this match seems to have gone. Um, yeah. I, again, I don't I don't disagree with like your broad takes there especially like I say the uh, the leaning into this 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 Shawn Michaels agented overly dialogue stuff and I think this would, in front of a crowd I think it probably would have died too Um, I could see a crowd absolutely turning on this thing but yeah, don't know I just I'm starry eyed for Roman. It feels like it's 2014 again, and I'm i expecting big things from Arjo. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it connected me on a level. I'm guessing it. It obviously didn't, you guys. But I I don't disagree with that. Like, your broad criticism there of this style, uh, and they do it too much like I think they might have got away with it more as well with people like yourselves if this was like a one-off um, it feels like every show now you get something like this uh, from WWE too, so yeah, I don't disagree with that broad criticism, but like I said, starry eye for Roman, that's that's all it is
2: But it's a red rag to a bull, this that, but then being able to do the crowd micing mm. and at the same time allowing the writers to, re- to write in-match dialogue now at this point, mm. that's where we're at like It's like we can do proper cinematic wrestling, what they consider to be cinematic wrestling, which is, frankly, straight to fucking DVD, (laughs) bottom of the barrel wrestling.
1: Straight from Laserdisc. There's some of that on Bound for
2: Glory, to be honest. Like We should get into that too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But they were doing it throughout the kind of Bailey sasha match, and that Mm. took me out of kind of big points in that match as well.
0: Mm. I didn't uh, love that right, as much as others. Talking like, to each other, but... you've seen a lot of four and five stars for that one, but I'm not. I'm nowhere near as high on that match.
2: No, I went three and a half on that one. Mm. It was fought with a real intensity. Mm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Again, like Garrett said, like coming in completely cold from it and detached from the storylines. I get this one because it's like, oh yeah, basically the storyline is they've been mates for a long time and now they're not. Mm. Classic wrestling, isn't it? It's not exactly fucking complex. And they went in there to beat each other up as much as you can do in a PG era rated WWE without there being um, any kind of bloods being allowed or anything like that. And they did that. And they were being quite creative and quite brutal in there as well. And they have clearly obviously got the chemistry between them as well. I just again, it was the melodramatic stuff the parts of it and the overblown nature of it. And the fact it just should have been your main event, that was your main event. That was like, you know, either that or J U. So of the, all the things you could fucking headline the show with, Randall you've Keith. got two main events there, mm. which should be main events, by the way, on separate shows, maybe one month after the other one. I don't what a fucking wild idea that is. You don't need to, bl- do you need, did, did, um, did Jay and Roman need uh, the cell? Did The Cell play a big part in lots of this in some ways? All the fucking agenting lads were able to run in, weren't they, pretty e- it much easily enough during it? But anyway, I digress. In terms of the Bailey sasha match, I uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than this one, even though I went three and a half on it in the end. Mm. Because, call me funny, I prefer a straight-up wrestling match um, and the kind of gimmicky shit. And the hell in The Cell, which, considering how good and how fond the memory i've got of that first hell in the cell between taker and sean like that's the fucking legacy of that event it was a big big deal up until the boss man um i think that kind of that was the point where it was
0: like oh
1: shit yeah you could name (laughs) every hell in
0: the cell match up until that point couldn't you it was like okay there was sean and taker then there was mankind and taker you know you go through you rikishi doing his big silly bump and then it's what taker boss Man. (laughs) it's like yeah yeah, and then Triple and, H and, turned and, it into his match. I think that was actually the real death knell for the gimmick. When he, for some reason, decided it was gimm- his gimmick, it was like, no, it wasn't, mate.
2: His his gimmick was Harley Race doing wacky stipulation matches. Mm. I think that that that's what his gimmick was for, a, for an incredibly long time.
1: But you yeah. imagine Harley Race doing like speaking to his hands and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Can you? Yeah, could you imagine that? Fucking
2: like, get some of those seventies and early eighties lads to do this type of stuff.
0: Imagine the dialogue through like gone a, down. Do like a crimson mask, even even Ric Flair staring at each other. Oh, this they missed out in the, end of the in the 80s they uh... did it is. Dust, Dusty would have loved it oh yeah oh it's proper <laughs> Dusty there well he's the one who came up with the idea of having nothing but cage I thought you'd love it JP you know the, uh, taking the lockdown concept and bringing it to WWE seems right up your street I never liked that I never liked the lockdown concept always popped a
2: buy rate though it did um uh, th- th- that died a death, though. How long did that buy pop in the buy rate last? For with yeah. DNA?
0: People would buy it and then go, oh, yeah, I've actually got to sit through eight cage matches. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this isn't such a good idea.
1: I, t- I tell you what, though, having to watch multiple cage matches here, though, like, I think I differ from JPE because, again, I'm, like, coming at this cold and mm. I've, like, literally decided to watch two matches and it was the, like, the um, Roman Reigns match and it was it was this one mm. this one to me was the complete opposite as far as, as i concerned I fucking loved this one I thought this was like I give this 4.25 like I really 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 enjoyed it I thought they were like aggressive as fuck I thought they were abs- like there was so much like clear heat between them kind of thing. And the 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 hate was like popping through the screen to me. And you know, I was I like literally I was watching it and I was thinking, God, NITO and evil could fucking do with watching this match and like thinking about, you know, when they go go at each other because they were just like right into it and they were, you know, right from the off. Like Sasha Banks she put her in a bank statement from the start and it was so tight and it was so deep and it looked like she was trying to break her back and break her neck kind of thing. And I was thinking like, yes, this is what I want kind of thing. These, these, these two absolutely going at it. And like, I just thought like throughout there was like loads of like innovative spots or spots that were a bit different kind of thing that at least like perked your interest. And, you know, there there was, one of the things that i like definitely differ with JP there is, is, like I didn't feel like there was a lot of melodrama in this match. Like I, I thought one of the things that was like a big win for me in this one was that that they that they they fought, they they wrestled and they fought and like I was kind of almost like looking out of it out for it because I was a bit sort of scarred by watching that first match and and I think there was like the two moments where like at one point like Bailey like she I can't remember what she did, she, you know, she tried her or something like that, and Sasha went down and <laughs> and, 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 and and like a lot of that. <laughs> Bailey said like 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 boss of the cell boss my ass boss with a broken neck or something and I was thinking like yeah actually that sounds a bit more like dialogue somebody might say to somebody if they fucking hate each other and they're having a scrap in like an alley behind a pub or something like that kind of thing. It was it was just direct straight to the point it was aggressive kind of thing and then there was a point as well where like Bailey got a very near fall on Sasha and and Sasha kicked out and Bailey sort of pulled a face and I thought like, oh, here we go kind of thing. And I was just waiting for it, waiting for like whatever there were, you know, some talking to the hands shit and Bailey just turned and she just started smashing her in the face kind of thing and I was just like yes yes that is what we want here we don't want like I I, I literally cannot believe that you've just kicked out of my big move kind of thing like gasp I'm going to open my mouth for five minutes no I'm going to smack you in the face kind of thing more and more because I'm going to try and beat you there and like uh, you, you said it when we were talking about the Reigns match was this idea of like this match to me definitely had more instances where I thought like one of them could say, I quit here, kind of thing, because they just did more stuff to each other where I thought, actually, we've you've, you've put you in a really tight submission or we've put you in a horrible situation where I'm just like battering you with a kendo stick or something like that, where you might just, I can't take any more sort of thing. And and like when I like looked at the match times at the end and I thought, saw that this one went three minutes less than the Reigns Uso match, I was thinking... They must, they've packed in, like, twice as much stuff here. There's been, like, so much more aggression, so much more hatred, so much more, like, more moves, more storytelling by actually wrestling than storytelling by, you know, talking to the or talking about being kings of tables or whatever kind of thing <laughs> stuff. And I, 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 I genuinely, genuinely loved it. And I, and I think, like, real, like, testament for me was – I just tuned out of the crowd shit like the the fake noise and I tuned out of Graves and Cole and I was just watching these two go out and like you know I, I loved it I, I really 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 enjoyed this match and, and for, for to watch that immediately after the one before it it was such a turn because I'd gone on such a downer it just put me on a real upper about it and I think I've talked about this previously I just think that the change in the Bailey character and what they've done this year like I thought they I thought they'd absolutely blown it with Bailey. I thought they had like money in their hands with her coming out of NXT into WWE as a face kind of thing. And I thought they totally fucked it up. But the way she's approached in a heel and the way her character's changed and seeing her work in the ring. Mm. Like she's literally the one highlight every time I see her this year, she's, she's the, she's the best in the WWE for me. And she's the only thing that gets me interested about watching it. Like I'm now thinking, God, I can't wait for the next big Bailey match because, because again, the way this was worked, she just, she just gets it from like a character point of view and a, a wrestling point of view and just putting on that. Like um put mm. the way they put that match on today, like the oh sorry, last night, the 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 aggression and what came out of it. I loved it.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with her is like I would say I still think they blew it. I still think she should have been like the female Rey Mysterio, you know, that act that all mm. the kids love and you know, there was they left a lot of money in the table with Bailey's baby face run. But you're right, like I didn't I wouldn't have thought she had this heel running there. Eh? And she's like she's leaning into like the it's a gimmick is basically Karen, isn't it? That that's what she's doing. She's doing Karen as like a as a gimmick. And that is what I lo- I loved about this match. It was like seeing them two at the start of the match looking like it was like literally in black and in white, like good versus evil. Both of them looking like they were wearing the WrestleMania gear, looking like like a million bucks like in in there with each other and this you know you know when they're in there together as well because the, you know the best mates in real life they they know the pressure that comes with you know the rep they've got from you know the matches they had years ago and that you know the, the the two people who were who've been vocal when they've been misused or you can see like especially on Sasha Banks you can see it written on her face when she thinks creative is bad but when she's in there with Bailey, and it's a it's a featured last match like this, that I totally agree should have been the main event and should have gone on last. Um, you can tell they're both up for it. Um, I gave, actually gave it the same rate as I gave the the Roman match, so that might. Uh, sorry, Gareth, that might again get me uh, get me banned from Grapple. But I liked it. You know, I gave it three point seven five. I'm I'm a little bit below the average on uh, on this point. Maybe uh, mm-hmm. and I think I saw someone like that. I thought the weapon use was creative sometimes it was a little bit contrived like the obsession with using that one chair uh, it was like hang on there's like 20 chairs in the ring can't you like use these weapons and there were points in the match as well where like I, I wouldn't rate it down for this but Sasha Banks has got a fucking death wish like that spot where she went like the back of her head first into a chair into the corner it had that to be honest if anything mm. that added something to the match cuz it kind of gave it that Added element of like danger and hate um, that you got out of it as well, um, but yeah, I wouldn't argue strongly with anyone who rated it highly. And I've seen people talk this up as like the WWE match of the year, and it's not like there's a huge amount of competition for that either, is that? Um, and yeah, it says everything with like the damage that's been done to to these two in the in the book and over the years that you know when given the right spotlights and given the right story, they can go out there and they can uh, they can still blow people away. Um, so yeah if you were if you were only watching two matches on the show obviously we've had split opinions on that first the cell match but this would be the one you know I, I think people should probably go out and watch especially based on those uh, those grapple ratings average of 4.2 Gareth like that's not that doesn't happen often for WWE matches these days no no
1: when, when you look at main roster as well like Literally, there's been one one other match this year. Like um, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan had a match on SmackDown in I June, um, yeah. which was like a 4.28 average. That so it's like just slightly ahead of it. But mm. yeah, that's the uh, that's that's the next best main roster behind it. And then I think when you you're like literally going down to one in September, at Clash of the Champions, Jeff Hardy, Styles, and Sami Zayn, like the the three way there. that been like 4.08. You know, so there's. You know, there's not a lot of competition at the top there, but there's there's a bit of daylight between them front two and, and third place.
2: I mean, what I would say is is there's probably... What I found watching this is, is the disconnect I feel in terms of character engagement that I possibly feel across the board. And I do agree, like, like in terms of this match kind of clearly being the one to stand out. I I don't know what follows this match, and I never <laughs> will find out what follows this match. <laughs> Thirty minutes of
0: Randy Orton being a professional wrestler is the answer. And does his match his that match went half an hour? Because that
2: was just like, well, that's absolutely not happening.
0: In there with Drew Galloway being a professional wrestler. It was the most professional match you will ever see, and therefore the most two star match you will ever see. Yeah, you missed nothing, JP. Uh
2: it's just that my disengagement with how they present the product and particularly how the commentators present the product for a lot of time ex with the exception of Samoa Joe who does, who is just like, even through the forced verbiage, I don't even know if that's one of their fucking terms now at this point. <laughs> um, e- yeah, even through that, he manages to come across as, as kind of as authentic as a WWE commentator can do these days mm. because, it's just the whole thing is so vincified at this stage isn't it Mm. um so it's just that overall presentation and i'm sick of seeing those lights as well i feel like home like i said before i feel like homer simpson when he was watching that japanese show and that episode of the Simpsons. they're all rolling around on the floor because it's just too many lights and images going on it's it's awful there's anyone with epilepsy in that building they are fucked
0: (laughs) Indeed. Uh, any other thoughts on? Doing... <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Any other thoughts you, on doing to me? <laughs> Did you
1: watch? Did you watch any more of it? Then? Or did you just watch them two matches as well?
0: I added on. Like you know, I mean, yeah, it was it was a show like that. Uh, Jeff Hardy Elias match was basically it might as well have been on Monday Night Raw for like for all the good it did. It was just it was a match. Um, Bobby Lashley defeated Slapjack, who looked like. Like every early two thousands indie wrestler in his baggy indie shorts and his hockey mask, that was like three minutes of my life that I'm never getting back. Um, I'm so glad we're not one of them podcasts. That I have to. imagine, imagine having to break down like this this retribution storyline and how it led to the great United States Championship match where Bobby Lashley squashed a man called Slapjack on a pay per view. Um, yeah, that's been. Yeah. Which one's
1: Slapjack? Who is he? Which one's Slapjack? <laughs> I'm actually yeah. not sure
0: which one Slapdrag is. It's not Dominic Dijikovic. Um It's the shorter. That... Right. Uh, I'd have to... What's going on with that group? That, this
2: is just again how in it. I thought Shameful. there was loads of
1: people on there. That's who it is. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: I'm not being funny. Like there would have been a spot if he left him and Mikey Nichols to do some good business in Japan <laughs> and tour and the rest of it.
0: I forgot that was him. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, poor Mustafa. Still, Ali paid off a house in this time. So yeah, poor Mustafa Ali, Ali. After is trying to like save it. After like they've basically like they they drop them quicker than they drop Nexus. Like they've just gone. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, this hacker group, oh yeah, now they wear hockey masks. Oh yeah, by the way, now they, they lose in like four-on-one situations with Bray Wyatt. Um, but yeah, still take them seriously. Yeah, that's like, it's one of the, it looks, or from a distance, considering I'm not watching Raw and Smackdown every week, it looks fucking awful.
2: It is, because it, it, it initially started when there was the riots after the murder of George Floyd. Mm. And as you would do, you'd think, well, here's an angle that we could go with. Uh, to form a stable and then after that they kind of it, it almost felt like when trump lost interest in talking about that stuff mm. that they sort of and he started going about hunter biden's laptop that's when they introduced this kind of like vaguely hackerish bullshit as well mm. and now they're all wearing gimp masks by the looks of it as well <laughs> so, uh, fuck knows Sorry, but, uh, but- I, those reasons why i just can't like i just cannot engage with it, with it
1: Hmm. I'm just looking at the rate. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the results. So like the Miz beat Otis in seven minutes for the money in the bank contract.
2: I skipped so, to the end of that.
1: So he So they had that whole money in the bank event and they had that whole Otis storyline. Yep. And he gets a belt and he just loses it in seven minutes, like months later. So he doesn't even he doesn't even get a shot at the title. To put Miz yeah. over?
0: Like I was yeah. I was watching it going like who was that on the outside? It took me like five minutes to go. Oh, yeah, that's John Morrison. I forgot he was back in WWE. It's like, it's like Bruce Pritchard's just got like, oh, yeah, things were good in 2010. Let's go back to that.
2: Um, did you see the court, courthouse segment they did in the, in the promo package beforehand? Rough. I watched, I watched that rather than the actual match. I just mm-hmm. skipped through to the Tucker turn in here to we'll see how it was. And I was like, they were going to push Otis. They, <laughs> at some point, they wanted to push him as like, this is the guy. <laughs> you got a fucking main event he's the modern day Dusty Rhodes
0: Ugh. fucking hell to be fair I would say that the main headline of, of like, the rest of the show and the pre-show was the fact that Jeff Jarrett was on there um, oh, although yeah. they did have fucking Elias making um, dr- drinking jokes about him something about like oh, how all um, people named Jeff are addicts uh, I was like, "Fuck me!" Like, hey. like that's—I mean, you're talking to the king there, the king of the mountain. Like, I, I don't—I don't stand for that disrespect. you. turned it round. Those
2: AAA days were bleak, admittedly, because <laughs> he didn't look like in a good way, and he was chucking the the fucking tortillas into the crowd as well, which is just an accident waiting to happen, frankly.
1: Um, so, I'm just looking at with these results, and I, <laughs> I, I, literally, I literally had no idea that Randy Orton won. I love the way that, that we've been talking about this for what, half an hour now, or whatever. We've even met your user, have even mentioned that match. Like, the world title changed, and like, I didn't know about it. Uh, and I've been on Twitter all fucking day, and like, it's I run true. a fucking wrestling app, and like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and you mentioned it and didn't even mention the fact that the world title had changed. Like, yep. Oh, yeah. Imagine this, 1989, like, like talk, talking about, like, Wrestlemania 5 or something like that, and just, like, someone just at the end doing a bit, oh, yeah, who can beat Savage, by the way? Did you not know?
0: <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> but it's not even that, though, is it? Because the thing is, if you look at, like, this is Randy Orton, he's been around for, for, for like, Twenty years? This is the equivalent of like in nineteen eighty nine it not being Hogan Savage and fucking Bockwinkle or fucking Luthez or somebody wins the world title at WrestleMania five. Like some like star from nineteen seventy one is still around nineteen <laughs> sixty something. Like that's what yep. we're dealing with. That's yeah. The fact oh, that they've gone back a- poor Drew, like, yeah, I mean he had the thankless task. Like you know, they made him they made him champ at a time where like he was never gonna move any business and it was always gonna be a poison kind of chalice, but yeah, it kind of has ended with minimal fanfare to a loss to Randy Orton. Um, yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah,
1: I'm hyped anyway. I'm hyped anyway for the uh, Miz cashing in on Randy Orton. Oh, I mean. my
0: God. Oh, my god <laughs> sakes.
1: Uh,
2: why don't we come to the emo, oh. lads? I can't believe it. Um... I'm not watching it. I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm not fucking watching it. And, that, you know, and there's lots of like, kind of like, do a round table on their business. Creative shit. How do we solve it? Get rid of the McMahons. Mm. How <laughs> no. How long's that, that roundtable? Four minutes. <laughs> that is. Uh. No, like, in some ways, it's just like you, you mentioned it there with, with Randy Orton. And, you know, just kind of steal a thought from uh, Flagship when I was listening to that. And, and, and Joe Lanza, I thought the, the hell in the self shortened careers. Randy Orton's hasn't been shortened at all. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. I feel. But then again, that will involve him fucking pulling his finger out of his ass rather than playing fucking, I don't know, USWA top liner.
0: (laughs) I'm told he's been good this year, but, I mean, Randy Orton's version is not a version I want to see, to be honest.
2: (laughs) If a tree falls in that forest, I'm not (laughs) hearing it. And on top of it, I could give less of a shit.
1: I think it, I think he probably has pulled his finger out of his ass, JP, like in a dressing room in front of some divas or something like that. <laughs> <no> <laughs> well,
2: how how you know in order to what get himself ready for shitting in their bags, no doubt.
0: Look, he's a, he's a reformed family now, man. No, lads, you watch follow him on Instagram, post nice things about him and his and his lovely wife and his adopted kids. He's he's a grown up now. He's he's turned as no, you know with Orton, and you know he's still got that like, that streak in him. Like he'll start. He starts the fight on Twitter with James Storm this week. Like (laughs) somebody asked him a question, and he just replied, "Who's James Storm?" (laughs) James Storm replied and was like, "Well, you do follow me, like." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the one who's beer
2: drinking, creek swimming, Johnny Cash listening. Yes,
1: the outro. Uh, <laughs>
0: speaking of which, <laughs> we did hear that music this weekend, didn't we? What a what a, what a great little segue! Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, all I think right. that's the uh, that's the reason someone was asking Orton about James Storm because I think people were looking forward to that dream match, uh, but instead he turned up on Impact, and I'll be honest, lads, I didn't think this show was very good. <laughs> like I was all up for for, for having a, a, an Impact loving. Like I enjoy these shows. I enjoy these pay per views. Like I'm quite happy to sit there on a Saturday night and watch a, a big Impact show on pay per view. Get to see The Rock on a on an Impact wrestling show. You know, whoever thought you'd there, uh, you'd see that day in the world's tightest t shirts, which was fucking hilarious because he cut the promo. On his lawn, it looked like he literally cut it at the same time as he did his um, Joe Biden endorsements. Like two yeah. important things for the Rock there: send the video to Impact Wrestling, endorse Joe Biden in the presidential race. Um, yeah, that was. Was
1: there, a, was there a cameo logo in the bottom corner?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he should have charged them. Yeah, <laughs> nah, he's got to do got to do a favor for Kenny. They are They're the great, uh, great little feud in, uh, in WWE. I'm always uh, I'm nostalgic for that one, but. That was the highlight of the show for me. I thought it was shit. Like I, I didn't, I didn't go over three stars for anything on this show. And I'm not saying that as an impact. I wanted to enjoy this. I think it was the layout, you know, more than anything. I think they they sucked the fun out of it. Like I was, you know, I was watching footy all day. Then I watched UFC. Then I watched the Borat film. And then I was like, great impacts on the clocks are going back. I'll stay up. I'll watch it. And then they just killed me with like twelve multi man matches and. A cinematic match. I think it was like two hours before we got a, like an actual singles match in the ring uh, on this show. I thought the layout was awful, the production was awful, and just nothing stood out for me on this show. Uh, I don't know. You guys are the uh, the Impact Wrestling lovers at this point, so tell me where I'm wrong if either you went over over three for anything. But yeah, I just thought this was yeah. a really average show at a time when genuinely. You know, the eyes of the rest on well were a little bit on Impact this weekend. Like, you know, Garrett Kidney does the Lord's work, like running their social media and, you know, pushing the fact that uh, Impact Plus was free over the weekend. You saw a lot of conversation you know, the likes of UJP and our mate Eddie Sideburns, Alan Ferrell did the podcast with, uh, with Eddie and Galazzo Dan this weekend. There was lots of, lots of TNA love going on over this weekend. So it felt like a good time to knock it out of the park. And I just think they, they whiffed uh, I'm on this one. I don't know. You agree or disagree, JP?
2: Uh, it's what TNA does Mm. and I'm using the term TNA and that's very deliberate. I'm not referring to impact wrestling Mm. because I kind of think it's what they do. What I would say is I watched the main event separate to the rest of the show. Right. Weirdly. And I kind of enjoyed that main event a little bit more possibly because I like rich swan as a wrestler and it felt like a kind of fresh face and they worked really hard in the match and there was lots of reasonably like. You know, it was very overblown, but that of all things, actually, I did go over three stars. You're right.
0: I tell a lie. I gave that 3.25, so there is that. For your yeah. main event,
2: like I mean, and but it wasn't necessarily blow away. But what I would say is that Rich Swan is capable of having better main event matches than a lot of other people on their roster mm. if they need it, and it's a fresh face mm. and it's something different. However like when it came to large swathes of like just the entire undercard, fuck me, there was some awful stuff that EC three moose abomination in front of some sort of electro synth pop uh tune that was going on <laughs> and involved like EC three, just insanely cackling every once in a while. I was like, what the fuck is this mm. what am i watching exactly and mm. it was like oh my god the tna version of cinematic wrestling like mm. arguably like at this point it's it's up it's certainly on parity with wwe mm. like if not worse like it really is it, it, was it just like i thought that was bad like the tag match I just wanted a, t- a tag match to be nice. You could have had two tag matches. Guess you know which might have been a bit more interesting. But no, they just made that like kind of too convoluted. Mm. The women's match was a disappointment because, and we were speaking about it before before the show. I mean, like the Kylie Ray Diana Parazzo. I'd seen the build for that.
0: Yeah, and it was the a good weekend. Build. And
2: like you say, the the build stuff they did was very very simple. If sort of a tad. Oh, melodramatic mm. that, that's very much one of the words of this week um i kind of was looking forward to it and i don't know what's happened but in terms of the replacement it just turned it into sue young and diana parazzo do kind of vaguely no rulesy bullshit stuff really mm. um so yeah like and the production snafus i even, i watched the pre-game as well mm. and that was a shit show. Your man hosting it didn't have a fucking clue. So I let it, Madison Rain do it. She kinda of hosts the TV. She's comfortable doing it. Yeah. But they they tried to impersonate what lots of other companies what the other bigger companies are doing. And much like
0: TNA, failing. Yeah. That, that that Rhino and Heath Slater segment where they literally started the promo and then they oh, went, "Come on, yes. lads, again from the top." And they started again <laughs> live on the face of you. Like, <laughs> a pay per Like TNA is going to TNA. Like, yeah, we oh. didn't even get a "We're live," pal. No, <laughs> no, and they probably weren't even live. It was probably a pre-tape, and it just slipped right in. Like, yeah, I mean, they should. I saw Rover make that point. Like, no one cares whether these shows are live. There's no fans there. Just tape it. Do it. This, do it in the afternoon. No one will know. Like, and fix this shit before you put it on you <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Um, yeah. Gareth, can you save us here? Like, we were just saying, like, I, th- I think the, uh, like, we you saying, I, I, I maybe I'm harsh on the fact that there was not an over three stars. The main event was good. And I've seen people go as, you know, as high as four on Grapple. The average is 3.78 for that. So people did enjoy Edit uh, Younger, Rich One. I enjoyed the build to that one. I thought all the Rich One did. 3.75 video on that. There, there, yeah. And, you know, a Rich One. The video package stuff with him and his story was great. Eric Young has been very good as the top heel in this company. I think that was a positive. So maybe, you know, I don't want to do the whole show down, but it was just everything we had to sit through to get there, I think was the uh, the issue for me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I think that main event clearly was the thing that like stood out on the show from an actual, you know, this is genuinely good standpoint. And it's had a good build over, over a couple of months now and then you know I think it was uh you know I think the way the w- match was worked I thought Rich Swan was excellent in it I thought you know where he's you know when he had like his hope spots and his comeback and things like that there was like real fire there and just some like great visuals there when he was like sp- sort of spitting that blood up and things like that as well you know it was rank as hell like kind of thing but to me it made it look like God, he's been in a fight here kind of thing and he's, he's you know, he's, he's going for it all here sort of thing and like the Phoenix splash the, at the end was absolutely like beautiful. It was like picture perfect kind of thing. It was literally, you couldn't, you couldn't you know, see a better one. I mean, I went 3.75 on that, you know, as a whole, quite clearly the match of the night but I think unfortunately for me, I mean, there were, there were matches that I gave three star or three star plus two because I did enjoy them to that so sort of, you know a certain level kind of thing, but you know I think the, the things that I enjoyed most were just probably where I was laughing at stuff. To be honest, which is not what you want from a yeah. not what you want from a pay per view at the at the end of the day. I mean, I mean, I I, I don't know what you said there. I'd, I'd obviously just popped away from. For a second, uh, little uh, little uh, giving uh, shock away the magic undercut- here.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, little shock under the curtain. But I was the- trying to like the-
0: recap <laughs> you before, before I threw to JP. But I think I gave yeah, the game away. <laughs>
1: it,
0: it, it, the, the, EC3- the
2: audience doesn't need now the sausages mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, um,
1: I think you know how much I enjo- would have enjoyed EC3 versus Moose, kind of like based on probably my you know my WWE um, thing before, but. At least I got a laugh out of this one kind of thing to laugh at it kind of thing. Just bit like when Moose turned, like to me, Moose just like walked into the crazy house and there was a load of goffs there in the black hoodies kind of thing. Like that's what I felt like I was at okay, well. I was, I was looking around to like buy a bottle of Wicked for a pound or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, he, when he walked in there, and like I, was, I was laughing at that. And it was like, you know, it was weird because like it was sort of, they were trying to present it as a cinematic match, but it mm. wasn't really. It was just them in a in a in a warehouse, just mm. just having a match kind of thing. But there was just some like pound shop nine inch nails music in the background <laughs> kind of thing. Yes, it, just, it, just,
0: it comes across like, as like a poser <laughs> EC three as well, doesn't he? he? Looks like that lad who's like he's just he's going through a phase of like 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 a metal bands and has decided to be a bit goth like like the actual EC three character. The best (laughs) version of that is him being, like, you know, a posh, like, 5% of stuff. This whole stuff, when he's trying to be, like, an angry young man who's rebelling against the system and trying to put his past behind him, he just does come across Triad, like one of those Triad dots.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a posh lad who's gone to university and he's like trying to present himself as being something a bit different when he gets to university or something like that. That's what he like, he totally comes across to me as, but like, it was, you know, these girls who were like straight A-star students kind of thing from some posh little village and then they go to university and suddenly they've got blue hair and kind of, you know. <laughs> I'm alternative. <laughs> that's, you know, that's that's the way he comes across to me, but I think it was like one of them things where. Like I was laughing at it, and it, it was you know it was enjoyable to a certain level. And at the end of it, I was thinking, actually, this is one of those things where I'd much rather have watched them in that setting than the idea of watching EC3 and Moose go out and actually have like a match in a ring with a crowd or no crowd kind of thing. In this instance, kind of thing. So it was probably actually an improvement what the alternative would have been for those. But um, but I, I didn't mind that. I'll be honest, I didn't mind the Ken Chan, Rock, Eddie Edwards stuff. Like I think when I was on here. Uh, after the Slammiversary, you know, I said that whole like Ken Shamrock Irishman gig, and he looked a bit like kind of <laughs> super slow motion, and he, you know, he was wandering around the ring looking a bit lost and things. Whereas here, I think the way they worked the match, so it was like it was a bit more like MMA style kind of thing, and it was much more close, and there was there was less motion in the match and things, and it was Ken just like laying in some like. Yeah, submissions and a lot of ground and pound and things like that that was quite close and things like that i sort of like bought into it a bit more and it looked you know it looked a bit more realistic and things and you know i quite um i quite i quite enjoyed that 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 side of it you know i think i went three star on that one really like me it was probably going to touch too long but 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 i quite enjoyed that um but the the main thing for me was that diana parazzo Sue young and mm. i was really really excited to see um I was really excited to see the Kylie Rae-Diona uh, Parazzo match. You know, it has had a, a good, you know, good build. I like Kylie Ray as a wrestler. You know, I've been on here talking about how much I've enjoyed the Diona Parazzo matches with um, Jordan Grace that there's been in the in the last few months in Impact as well. And, you know, so it really sort of, it was something that was standing out. And it was, it was just a big disappointment to, well, to be honest, it was a big disappointment to me when I came to put, like, the matches on Grapple the following morning because I didn't watch it live and I suddenly just saw, like, the matches being Perazzo against Sue Young, and I just was like, "What the fuck?" kind of thing, and I had to do like a big double check on a few sites and things like that, making just to make sure it wasn't some error before I put it on the site, and then so that kind of put me on a bit of a downer going into it. And but I think I talked about this a few months ago was how well, how good those the Perazzo Grace matches were. And now you're in this weird scenario where Sue Young's got the belt. Jonna Perazzo has been really good and she's now randomly lost the belt to Sue Young who shouldn't have been in the match at all. Jordan Grace has been shifted out of the women's division completely and she's now taken on men kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's it's almost like they had this little kind of pocket of gold there where you had the opportunity for this Perazzo, Grace, Kylie Ray feud kind of thing going on down the line, putting on good light like, women's matches that were intriguing. And that's, you know, when they say TNA is going to TNA kind of thing, yeah. that's, that's all gone out of the window kind of thing. This, 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 I was quite excited for the next six months of stuff in the in the uh, knockouts division there, uh, but like it's it's all gone now.
2: <laughs> like, they do that. They go on the meds for two weeks. We think things are fine, and they're straight off the meds at the first available opportunity, aren't they? Mm. They just relapse, and they relapse every fucking time to the point where you're just like, oh, here we go again. It's like on their very first show, um, they did a gauntlet match as their main event. And it feels like every time we watch a show, there's a gauntlet match. And there's going to be some sort of X-Division multi-man match. Is that title ever defended in a one-on-one match? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't watch Impact on a weekly basis, so I don't know. But it's it's all of these things where you think you do have these somewhat talented wrestlers. I mean, Ace Austin is someone you should clearly be getting behind as mm. in the future and he's just lost in a multi man tag. Mm. And it's it's like you say, Banner. like the, the kind of eyes of the rest there was this little space for them to be able to kind of operate because it's not about like having the large fan attendance stuff as much anymore. Like mm. you don't have to worry about that visual aspect of it. And they're able to create something in theory that production wise looks quite good but they'll fuck that up as well. Yeah. Um and they and it's it, it's just always these these things that by the end of it you come out going you could have done well here but you've kind of fucked it up and a lot of the times it's pretty much self-imposed. Yeah. It yeah. Always feels like it, it, it you know They've got to hand the book over to a couple of fucking fifteen-year-old lads.
1: Well, you? I mean, I mean, it's interesting because you said there about like the X division and it being defended one-on-one, and I think it was like Slamiversary where Chris Bay won it from Willie Mack. Maybe, oh, that, yeah. maybe that was a one-on-one. I was again, I was really excited about Chris Bay coming out of that. Is someone I hadn't seen a ton of great talent kind of thing looks like yeah he's somebody who you can build a build a division around and you know someone a bit different kind of thing that you've you know that you're not seeing everywhere and then within a month within probably two episodes of tv like lost it to Raheet Raju and I don't mind Raju as a character kind of thing I think his character is mm-hmm. actually like quite good but it's like hang about like take a break give give like just leave a belt on somebody for longer than a month or leave a belt on somebody for longer than two months or something like that and let's actually like build towards something here because again like i said to you after that anniversary like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give them a go i'm gonna watch impact like mm. week in week out now for a bit and just kind of give them a go you know let them know and, like now within a matter of months i feel like somebody's just fucking blown a shotgun in the middle of the book and sheet or something like that and it's here we go back to square one and I mean, some of it, like
2: oh, I probably know. hired Russo back. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that's the other fatal addiction of that <laughs> company, isn't it?
1: Mm. I mean, I'm just I, I'm just looking at some notes here, and like obviously, apart from the you know the production like snafus kind of thing that you've mentioned there, there's just like little things there, like Sue Young. Like I just became <laughs> this is ridiculous, but I became obsessed at points in that match with with Sue Young and the presentation of her character. And all I could look at was a uh, like added ass wrestling boots that she had on underneath her kick pads and I was thinking like this is the like undead bride, this is this person who's got this you know, this <laughs> this smelly wedding glove kind of thing that she's like, you know, knocking people out with, she's all made up like this, she's some like phantom or whatever kind of character, and of course she's nipping down a sports direct to get her fucking uh, ten quid wrestling boots kind of thing to just put under her kick pads, and you're like, on, awesome, umbros. You I feel like umbro
0: would be <laughs> a, a better a better choice. (laughs)
2: I thought that character had gone away as well. They were doing this whole Susie thing. No, that's just Russo, mate. (laughs)
0: Let's be
2: honest. There's a big Russo-shaped fucking figure looming over this kind of bullshit. (laughs) But Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, like, but yeah, it's attention to detail it is so easy. It's such an easy thing to do, just like little nuance, like not nuanced, but just small little details like that kind of thing, and just like it can make or break a character and things sometimes. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I, and and again, just a bit, you know, the the attention to detail here, and from a production standpoint, and things like that. From where some of the some of the sets and some of the backstage settings and things, they actually look more professional and good like better than I would expect of impact at this stage where they're at now and where they haven't got these millions behind them and things like that. But then but then they go and do the the whole like let's do that again kind of thing, live on air and stuff. And you're just like, oh Jesus. Yeah.
0: That's it a- and you've got like the commentators like ask, asking for like feedback from the producers huh. and stuff, and arguing with people on headsets, uh, saying that. Which should all just be thankful because when Matt Striker appears on the pre-show, I was terrified that they were going to pull an impact and put him in the booth for three hours. I'll take, I'll take Josh Matthews shouting at production <laughs> people over him <laughs> any day.
1: Well, well, that is the last note on my thing here. Is Josh Matthews is shit. Like fucking. Oh, he's not he good. Don't he, get me wrong. He is a terrible, terrible commentator. Oh.
0: Still better than Matt Striker though. I know that's not high praise, but I will still take him. Um, Don Callis is great. Uh, if if anything, Don Callis is wasted on Impact, isn't he? I'd love to see him like in <laughs> yeah. the AW booth or something, or still on New Japan. Uh, yeah, it's rough. I, I I can think of top some of those Don um, so some of those
2: Don what Callis calls mm. that he would do on um, New Japan. Particularly around like Kenny Omega matches. Mm. Things that felt like kind of iconic moments at the point in time when you're watching them. Yeah, and here he's completely wasted. This yeah. time they're not shilling pens, which is, I think, they did on a Bound for Glory maybe last year. Remember that? <laughs> it, One of those pay per views that was shilling a load of fucking stationery. It, it makes and sure... the Sue Young stuff, they've gone from Deonna Parazzo, just a serious point, they've gone from Deonna Parazzo as a serious figure to this Undead Realm stuff. Which is sub par w w e
1: Donna Prato looked like a million bucks the way she'd been booked so far she looked like she was she 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 was gonna be this top tier, like unbeatable for quite a long time, like um like character you know she's you know real head of the division stuff, putting on good matches with people, and then like now she's got Kimberly aligned to her and she's lost to sue young, and you're like yeah who the fuck decided that jesus christ
0: yeah probably <laughs> probably uh, <laughs> don carlos to be honest <laughs> we can blame him too uh, when you said don carlos before i thought you were about to say don West before jp uh, i like, nearly did that's that was worse. that's a proper Thumbled commentary duo like i in like the, oh. this like uh, nostalgia period for impact like i went on their the youtube this week to watch uh, angle versus joe I watched the the first two Angle and Joe matches back to back. Typical Impact, though, you go to youtube.com slash Impact Wrestling and you watch Angle versus Joe, and it's just got Global Force Wrestling branding like all over the video. Like it stops to do a little spinny thing about the Global Force network. Uh, probably need to sort that out, lads. I think that's, uh, <laughs> sure. That there's many reasons why that's probably a bad idea at this point, but it reminded me how good Don West and, uh, and Mike tonight and were. They were just like that. I know, I know, like, I feel like the substance wasn't always there, but the enthusiasm, like and just how like how mentally go when something was good, and they did ele- when when things were good, they elevated that product like that. Watch that first um that angle, Joe, uh, the initial angle when uh, when Kerr came out and uh, made his debut and impact. You know, he comes up from the stage with the American flag, crowd are going nuts, hit him and Joe that get the like the headbutt spots. Um, I'd forgotten that uh, the other thing you get in that angle is Jeff Jarrett appears and steals the title from Joe (laughs) because of course he was moment in history and Jeff Jarrett's got to be there hasn't he Uh, but I love that angle so much one of the best angles like Re- like honestly like the, probably the best thing impact ever did like i think that angle and then the match was yep. very good too i i still look at it going i wish joe went over uh, but i get it angle was debuting and he puts joe over in the second match but there's russo shenanigans with a chair and it's like oh here we go again they're gonna tna are gonna tna and uh, but i had a fun little trip down memory lane watching that stuff and yeah it was uh it was fun to see uh our jeff pop up as well
1: yeah, because, like, this weekend, obviously, they did that Impact Plus was free, wasn't it, for the weekend for, yeah. ba- for Bound for Glory? And I kind of made a little list that I intended to go back and watch, like, on, on there. And the Angle Joe stuff was on there. And, like, just time got the better of me. And the only thing I ended up watching this weekend was the um, the Styles-Joe Daniels match from from Unbakeable did in 2005. Um, uh, I loved it. It was really, like, that was the, like... I think I'd had a that's that's the longest break I've ever had from wrestling. It was about like two and a half years or something like that, and that was the match that just draw drew me back in, like to to watching and and just watching it again, like. Oh, just the crowd was just as hot as fuck. It was just like, mm. you know, the the crowd go mad. It was just a hundred mile an hour. It was, you know, there wasn't somebody like lying outside the ring on the floor for fucking seven minutes, you know, kind of thing. There was, you know, they were in and out like dead rapid and things, you know, there was just some hard hitting. It was like what in my meant like I haven't watched that. I bet I haven't watched that match for ten years, like easily kind of thing. And like in my mind, it was dead flippy and things like that. And there's lots of dives and things, but it was hard hitting as fuck there was Mm -hmm. some like big strikes and big you know huge knees and kicks and suplexes and things going in it and like uh like i i I really really enjoyed it and like if if um i don't know it kind of like I was a bit gutted, really. That I kind of got to the end of the weekend. I didn't get a chance to catch up on more. But if, like you're saying there, if that's on, it's fat on their YouTube channel and stuff, mm-hmm. Benno, I think I'll, I think I'll be paying a little trip down memory lane for the uh, the Angle Joe stuff. I think this week definitely. Worthwhile.
2: There is so much stuff they've given away on that YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Cause I've t- I saw that not long ago because I did the um, uh, what was it? The best of the X Division with oh. um, with Davy Portman and Braden Harrington. So, and that was like yeah so having watched that very recently like i think i went five stars it again it's like it was clearly the best match that company has ever had yeah. um there isn't anything that kind of comes close to it on that level and the fact they was given the main event for that show
0: mm. yeah that like i i i was never like on that match i was like so Heavy into my Ring of Honor, I refuse to give an Impact match of five stars. But I've watched it back recently, and yeah, like I mean, stealing if anything, your talent, they were. Well, they well, were, well mate. They were taking our jobs and taking food off our table. There's actually a tie in there because I'm doing Damien and Braden's show coming up, and we're doing um I'm, I-, I pitched two ideas to them: doing um, Samoa Joe's ROH title run and doing the Summer of Punk from when uh, when CM Punk left uh, ROH at the end. We're doing. Uh, we're gonna do uh, Joe's title reign first, but we will do the Summer of Punk at some point. But like yeah, that that's the other big conversation I've seen this week, like, that 2005 Samoa Joe had, he had he had that three-way, he had the Kenta Kabashi match, he had the Necro Butcher match like, he just finished the, 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 the best of three uh, CM Punk series as well, like, honestly best wrestler in the world at that point, I would absolutely stand by that mm. um, and yeah, the show I'm doing with Braden and Davey will be covering that, we're, we're only going, we're doing his title run so it kind of ends the uh, the tail end of 2004, but yeah, there's a there's a nice little plug there. So yeah, good segue.
2: It isn't the story that he never got bookings in Japan because he was he worked zero one. Yeah, and
0: he had the zero one stink on him as uh what Alan Farrell uh, what, said the in his cla- beers, yeah, the on him.
2: Yeah, the classic zero one stink that's ruined many a career, isn't well, it? Yeah,
0: it's a real shame. You know. I, I think the thing is, well, I think it, like he got laughed at a little bit as well because he kind of went over to Japan and I think they thought he was like a tribute axe. He was doing a lot of like the famous Japanese wrestlers' spots. Um but I think he could have got past that. Like he was in the New Japan Dojo as well. Like that was that's a run I wish happened because like you look at Samojo, and I say that, I thought he was the best wrestler in the world in two thousand and five into two thousand and six. Then what did he do for ten years after that, really? Um he just Dot of the round impacted, and he just doing whatever shit they made them do. Draw a dick on your face, yeah, sound. Wear a shirt, okay, yeah, sound. Like he was just like being a Wu Tang Clan tribute, like yeah, sound. He just did whatever they told him to, and took his paycheck, didn't he? Like I, I really hate those like those ten years of of where Joe kind of, I know it'll be sacrilege for the UJP, but wasted his uh, his time and impact. Uh, yeah, I had a
2: bad vibe the way they burnt through the Angle feud so quickly, mm. like. Because like, that first one was always the highest buy rate right, they ever did. Mm. It was like 65,000 buys, which isn't much. But for them, was pretty incredible. And like you say, the build, and that was the stuff that I was watching on Impact, mm. um, plus over over the weekend when I was getting a chance to. It was more that stuff. Mm. Um, so I'd seen a load of X Division stuff not like long before. But yeah, the way they burnt through it so quickly, and then they just appeared to have no, have no ideas. They just sort of rematched them, I think. It was like kind of month after month after month. And then it kind of lost its fire. Then, really, when Joe beats him cleanly, is it locked down? I mm. want to say it is. Mm. And then he beats him cleanly, where, where Angle turns up dressed as an MMA fighter.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. And not in the cool uh, way that but-
0: Jeff Jarrett did. He was never as good
2: as MMA, no. Jeff. Exactly. It was more like Dowson in the sense that he was bald. And he had kind of quite colourful shorts. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there
0: we go. So yeah, check out some classic impact, everyone. Uh, hey, Gary, can we get it on Grapple at some point? So I've had some some uh, some requests on that this week. Mm-hmm. One day.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's coming. I was uh, if again if I'd had a bit more time on my hands uh, this weekend, whatever I watched, I was going to put on Grapple. Hey. So <laughs> so there you go. So Grapple users have been hindered by my. Uh, my lack of hours this weekend, but yeah, I'll probably put Unbreakable on this, this week just purely so I can get my rating in for that one. I'm I'm currently teetering between the 4.75 and five in my head, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what I go with. It definitely stands. Are you you putting on the
2: impact banner or are you going to create a new promotion that's TNA? See,
1: see, this is the, uh, this is the logistical nightmares I get myself into when I uh, set these things up. Like it's only that I've seen that uh, WXW uh, where they're running that tournament and it's like, one match a day that's oh. like going under different dates and it's like, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's fucked with my, uh, I think it's going to fuck with my database system anyway, kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, don't expect that to be smooth. Any, uh, any WXW watching grapple users out there, that'll be being Hamilton then. Yeah. Pretty much <laughs> that's it.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, if you think Brit Rez is dead, poof, that lineup for that Grand Prix. Yeah. The, the whole, and the daily release of matches idea just seems, mm, Yeah. Got to try something, um, but uh, anyway, should we uh, should we move on? We've got to talk uh, some uh, some AW before we go. Uh, unfortunately, AW been uh, short shrift on the, this show for the, the last little while. Because to be honest, probably the best show I watched this week was AW. Um, like their TV show, like, this last week was just you've heard lots of praise, and I'm going to echo it. That first hour was absolutely incredible. Like I logged on. The, the morning, like, I was recording with Will that night, and I managed to tune in just about for the main events at the end of the Dynamite by the time we were done. We didn't go four and a half hours, but we went long enough, um, and I managed to only see the main events. And before I went to sleep, I literally sat there and watched the first hour, like, as good a first hour of TV as I've ever seen, like, from the Wardlow-Jungle Boy match, where I thought it was a brilliant, like, big oh. man, little man match. Great TV match. I think I went as high as 3.75 on Grapple for that. Uh, Maybe a a bit high in hindsight. Maybe a three and a half would be more reasonable. But I really enjoyed that thing. Uh, You had that on the show... Uh, we can talk about Kenny Omega in a second. Like, that, I thought the presentation of him, with some caveats, was was really great uh, in doing that squash match. You know, from a match point of view, you had Phoenix and Pentagon out there doing just their, their silly indie match where it Really, I mean, we talk about spot matches. Their matches are just spots, but they're so fucking great, those spots, that I can forgive the, uh, the lack of transitions. And we got, you know, three killer promos as well to go with it in that first hour. Like... Yeah, for me, is you know we can talk, I think the the headline is you know what happened in the second hour with Jericho and MJF, but I feel like uh, some lovers deserve for that first hour because I just thought that was a, an absolutely uh, incredible uh, first hour of TV. And yeah, I don't think there was uh, there was any fat um, in that first hour, Gareth.
1: Yeah, no, I like I absolutely agree. I think that the first hour I just knocked out of the park. And like one of the things I just loved there as well was was you know seeing that. Tournament start and that first match been Wardlow against Jungle Boy and mm. it's been a great match. But again, it's just been that kind of like demonstration again of the fresh new talents kind of getting a getting a good stage. You know, like starting a you know they're starting the show with a with a match between two people who, if again you're somebody who's relatively new to AW, you know you've maybe never seen these guys before, kind of thing. And it's you know it's it it's something that you know. Is kind of kind of going to catch your eye, like as you're flicking through the channels, and then seeing them being able to sort of deliver on in in the way that they did. I thought that was excellent. I think, especially the, I just loved the presentation of of, of Wardlow, and you just you, you know you just you you look at him, and I'm I'm so intrigued to see how well he can talk because I don't think I've seen him talk particularly because I'm just looking at him thinking if he can talk, like he can go in the ring. He's got a great look. He's got a, a natural charisma about him just when, you know, when he is one of these people, when he's like looking down the camera kind of thing, you just sort of drawn into him and things like that. I think the way he was presented here where, when stuff happened to him, you know, he was getting like a big kick out at one and things like that. And, you know, they the, the, the just present him in like just the right way as well. And, you know, you really feel like, God, they've got a star in the making here. And and especially where, you know, you, you have got a lot of like smaller, indie looking wrestlers who you know definitely work this kind of like fast fast paced sort of like high-flying style just to see Wardlow as somebody who you know to your casual wrestling fan if they see like some big guy who's charismatic who can go in the ring who like looks credibly like tough and things like that as well like further down the line I just can't wait to see what they do with this guy because I I, I absolutely loved that opener I think it was booked to perfection and you know like loved it what do you give it on grab um, you know, I gave it like 3.25, which, on the surface of things, you might think like, "Oh, that's a relatively like low score." I think you're almost like in these realms bit. these days of where something's got to be like four or above or something to put it to be considered to be a, a good match. But that's two guys starting off a program, going ten minutes on TV kind of thing. 3.25 mm-hmm. is a great rating for me, kind of thing yeah. for, a, for yeah. a TV match. I mean, I know you're saying you went as high as 3.75. Probably I'm a like bit You're saying you maybe would have pulled it back to to three and a half, but you know, when you, you when you get into the realm of talking 0.25 differences, is it really a difference, guy? Is it a massive, yeah. you know, that big a difference? I think, I think the idea that you've just got these two, you know, we're still only a year into seeing Jungle Boy on TV. Wardlow hasn't had that many matches. And you know, they're they're putting on better matches there than people have had on WWE pay-per-views this weekend and things like yeah. that in a in a 10 minute opening match to a TV show. It's fucking great stuff kind of thing. And you know definitely uh, definitely look forward to seeing more of that.
0: Yeah, great first hours. it, JP, I know you were a big fan of it as well. Like I, I, I re, you know, I say I gave that 3.75. I give Penta Phoenix 3.5. But, you know, in a very different way, that was just as good a match as well. And you had those those Kingston and Moxley promos on, on the first hour of the show. Like, yeah, if, the, if AW was like this every week, I'd have nothing to complain about. It
2: was, it was bang, bang, bang for that first hour everything kind of working. Because you went from that, that opener, which was a really fun in some ways that like the job of it is to get you into the show. And that's what it did. It got me into the show because there's been some weeks recently watching AEW where if it's not quite clicking in that first sort of 10, 15 minutes, I realized this might be a bit of a struggle Mm. for me to get through, get through it. But here it was like, okay. And it went straight on from that over to the kind of Eddie Kingston promo, which the idea of Eddie Kingston headlining a pay-per-view against um dean ambrose is <laughs> fucking wild yeah. in and of itself but there you go it's 2020 i love it and i like the idea of doing it because it seems like their pay-per-views have kind of there's a baseline limit mm-hmm. for people who are fans of the show and therefore i think and they've done this with moxley where they've put him in they've avoided him having in the big pay-per-view matches so far against what might be the established traditional kind of draw so Brody Lee got a lot out of that main event, I think, at double or nothing. I think MJF got a lot out of out of um, the Moxley match as well. And it's going to be the same thing here with Eddie Kingston, where he's being really established as a kind of player, whilst also leading to the fact that he's going to be probably getting a dark Penta, Penta is what we're going to get out of this, aren't we? We're going to get the kind of lucha underground version of Penta without the supernatural bullshit. I hope so. And... I hope so. Give me the promos somebody again. Somebody spoke to them about it, and Phoenix can be your authentic Lucha star. Like it's not fucking rocket science for an introduction of that. Like something different from everybody else. And even though I was scared for him when he did that huracaner and clearly landed on his head, yeah. and the camera cut over then to Penta, and I was like, oh god, that was bad. Yeah, I remember in the moment, and and we we've, we've seen them. Wrestle each other live as well. I'm trying to think um, which which of the shows we saw them wrestle. At. I'm sure we saw one. Might have been a Fight
0: Club Pro show, probably.
2: Yeah, it sounds it sounds like that. But it was like for you know for two people who hadn't been really presented properly mm. on the show outside of a tag team. But when they were initially signed, it was like, yeah, I know you're doing Lucha Brothers because you want them and the Young Bucks as your initial starting few. But really, the money with these guys is them as singles wrestlers. Yeah.
0: They are the most underutilised people on this roster. Like there is so much money in them. Like like that you said, that Penta heel run, like that that lucha underground run no one saw it and it was so fucking great like just breaking arms and cutting angry promos that they had to Mm. subtitle like it's not a like you said it's not a hard like uh thing to put together is it um impact if anything impacted a better job with these two and they spent a lot of time with them teaming but i don't know i feel like it does feel like no we shouldn't criticize too much it feels like AEW is seeing what they've got but, you know, I mean, in this tag team role with, like, I love Eddie Kingston, but Eddie Kingston talking for them as well. They do kind of seem like kids in his faction right now. I'd love for this match to be the start of them breaking out more. Oh, yeah. I, I,
1: I think this is one of those where we just, you know, we have to be patient. You look at it and you think, the comp- like, Dynamite's a year old kind of thing. And, you know, they've, they're have they establishing some of this talent and not everybody can have been pushed to the fore immediately. And there's definitely, like, mileage and, and um Phoenix and Pentagon as well. And obviously they're, they're clearly starting to put the seeds in place for something to happen with those two going into to year two. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I think you can have a lot of confidence that it's going to be good stuff. Kind I think not confident because of a the way AW will probably book them knowing them, but obviously confidence in them two and their ability to work to eat together and what they can both do from a character point of view and an in-ring point of view as well. And again, it's going to be one of those things that really just like probably pushes up the card and they're going to get so much more prominence out of it as well. But, you know, probably if we sit here in 12 months time, we're going to be talking very differently, I would guess, kind of thing about, about those two guys.
2: Well, it was one of the things that you raised several months ago as who is, like we were speaking about Kenny Omega, which is a point I really want to raise like quite quite heavily about because that was, in some ways for me, like the thing I enjoyed most in the first hour in a really bizarre way. Mm-hmm. But um, like you mentioned about who's going to have the five-star matches. And we were saying at the time, it was like, well, Phoenix and Penta in and of themselves can have kind of great matches with them. And they're doing it like this week. They're going to have Penta versus, um, versus Kenny Omega and really looking forward to it. But at the same time, the way... The thing that I'm excited, and maybe this is there's a kind of tie-in with how Roman Reigns is presented, but this presentation of Kenny Omega and the way that match was, because I remember it like when he had the really long intro, and I was like, "All right, he's getting very, very arrogant here," but I'm not looking forward to just a what eight-minute Sunny Kiss match doesn't really need to exist. Nope, fucking V Trigger, one winged angel out of it, pissed off look on his face, and I think. Like I don't know if they're going to go with like the full blown cleaner where he'll have the t-shirt on when he doesn't give a shit as well. Cause I think that would be a nice touch, but I kind of want to see like this version of either. I'm just going to crush, crush them really, really quickly or I'm having a great match. And this kind of, that's, that's how he kind of manages himself. But it was the first time where I felt I'd seen something involving Kenny Omega almost like from a kind of angle perspective outside of the initial Moxley double or nothing angle where I was like, yes, good. It's leading to this. And I remember thinking of Benno fantasy booking um, T.W. Thinking, yeah, you want Kenny the cleaner because that's a money-drawing angle. That's a money-drawing character, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. this other version of Kenny Omega. And I imagine him and Hangman Page, because that has to be the final, um, like he's going to have, I can see with them having an absolutely fucking belting match and i pray to god that they do yeah
1: yeah i I just love the foot there where we talk about like i don't know impact and other elements and things like that of the the production of certain things but i just think the way that like you say that whole entrance there kind of thing you know the the ridiculousness of how long it was you know PWIs, Wrestling Observers, Dave Meltzer's first seven star match or whatever kind of thing. That whole. You wrestled thing in that, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the the cleaner dancers there with the brushes and all that kind of thing. And then, like, for, like just ridiculous, over the top kind of, re, you know, lengthy come out of a, you know, Squash match, and then that that fucking weird look on his face, kind of thing, when he did the you know when he did the pin and stuff. You're just like, oh, I'm just bought, I'm just like sold into this kind of thing, and just like really intrigued with the with with with, with where it's going. And God, yeah, I'm already hyped for that final.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I I'm wary of Kenny. Like <clears throat> I'm wary of giving him too much power. <coughs> Excuse me, let me do that again. Yeah, it's been a long recording. Hang on.
2: <laughs> the old COVID's back. I see. <laughs> tier
0: three for a reason <laughs> um yeah i've been wary of i'm wary of kenny like uh, and his input in like anything to do with creatively using kenny omega in the show i think we categorically found out that when he's got no power and new japan were just were, were booking him i feel like he was always stronger than when you could see his influence in what he was doing um from a creative point of view i think that's been borne out with him and the Bucks, to be honest, than AEW. I think both of their creatives have been largely disappointing. Uh, maybe, you know, the handman stuff aside, depending on where that leads, because, you know, we, we still don't really know. And I am a, I was a little bit worried, you know, when he came out and it was like, you know, the, you know, the girl's coming out with the brooms, because the brooms, because he's a cleaner. And, you know, like I say, I know it was funny, like, the, you know, the, the announcer and stuff, it's like, but I worry bit, Kenny that he will always lean into the wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff. And it's like I can't. What I want is serious heel Kenny. He? But then I have to watch, like, to kind of take a step back, watching this, and go, yeah. But the thing is, yeah. He knows all the criticism that he gets. He knows there's people like me foaming at the mouth every time he turns up with a fucking broom, and he he turns up like he's having he's having his night off, and he's doing his wink to the camera stuff, and he's working us now, like he's trolling us. It's it's a work within a work, um, and he's doing it for heat. It's not like he doesn't know, you know, uh, how he comes across and how near he comes across. That's that is, I think, the uh, the aim here. So you know, I, I should probably eat some crow a little bit on that. And yeah, and I love I love the match. Like I I hope that was the like the only my only uh, negative here is like, like I would have loved your face Gareth if this had been uh, Joey Janela in the spot as well. I think that would have been <laughs> cathartic for you for Joey yeah. Janela to get knocked out in in ten seconds and uh, and pinned <laughs> by Kenny Omega instead. Poor Sonny Kiss had to do it. It was great in the role. Like Sonny Kiss came across really sympathetic and like I loved like the post match like just looking at Kenny like I don't trust you kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Joey Janela would have made it even better. Uh, but it was it was a great bit of business and. You know, I'd still be wary of you know Kenny leaning too much into the BTE comedy side of things, but you know, based on this evidence on this match, I think maybe earned a little bit of trust going forward. And yeah, I think that uh, what they're going to do with this tournament, obviously, you know, Phoenix is is legitimately injured off that runner spot we mentioned earlier, and now it's Pentagon going going forward for this week's show. The predictable thing is it's gonna be Kenny and Hangman, but that's fine. You know, predictable is good. Um, and yep. that that'll be it. That'll be the match of the show um, on this pay per view. So, you know, I'm hyped for that too. Um, somehow though, we've uh, we managed to talk down about this longer and not and not talk the yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't. I felt the felt like one of these like moments. This MJF Jericho thing, where like everyone's got have a take. Um, uh, and I don't know if I have got that that big a take on it. Like I, I, I went Bear in mind, I didn't watch this, this segment live. I watched it the morning after, after I'd seen all the discourse. And, you know, I was on this podcast. I, did, I didn't I did enjoy... You know when they did, like, the uh, the angle where they were outside the venue, MJF and Jericho, and, like, the camera coincidentally followed them both, and then they coincidentally both said the same thing? Like, that kind of stuff where you've got to do, like, loops in your head and ju- do somersaults to work out, like, in kayfabe, how exactly did this work? I don't love and you do have to kind of do like somersaults a little bit to kinda of go, well, did they plan to do a song and dance number? Like and then therefore did they plan to have an argument? Or was the argument legitimate over the stake and then they did the planned dance number? I don't know. Like I have I have a little bit of an issue with that, but not as much as maybe I did with, with some of their previous segments. And to be honest, I thought it was fine. I thought it was well done. I thought it was funny. I laughed at certain points. Jericho's singing is terrible, but we already knew that, and I think if anything, that added to the segment because you know that that's the kind of character he is at this point. The fact that MJF showed him up in the uh, in the singing side of things works, and I felt like it had a point. I feel I feel like I've heard that thrown around that it was like a pointless segment, but I think if anything, the point of this segment was to to get over the fact that you know they're friends now, and then next week presumably when they do this uh, this uh inner circle making a decision on whether mjf joins or not town hall thing one or the other's gonna turn um and it was set up for that got them a bit of talk like i say i didn't i'm not in love with it it's not like you know i'm not a, not like steph i'm not a, i'm not a big glee fan i'm not a big fan of uh of singing dance numbers uh in me wrestling but i didn't strongly hate it either i just thought it was fine and yeah, I thought like some of the discourse on both ends went uh, went a bit too far to the extremes. Uh, I don't know where were you on this one, Gareth?
1: Yeah, just like, I really enjoyed it. It was just like to me, it was again. I I didn't watch it live, but I, I, when I watched it, I hadn't seen any of like I just avoid Twitter kind of thing as much as possible to avoid spoilers and stuff when I, I'm, I'm re-watching it. And so I knew nothing about it, and then I was just like laughing my head off. Well, I watched it. I just was. I don't know it's it's I, I don't know. I think like sometimes you might listen to me on here and hear me talk about like from a match point of view and I love seriousness and I love aggression and things like that in my wrestling but equally I love fucking ridiculousness and things in wrestling I love humor in wrestling I love it when it's presented when it's done really well and things like that and I, I thought this was just presented absolutely perfectly you know it was it's it's not that big a deal, kind of thing, almost to me. It was just like a fun little. It, I felt like I was watching Family Guy or something like that. Was the way it felt to yeah, me? Yeah, it was very it was just Family like Guy. Little, yeah. little kind of musical interlude, and just the faces Jericho was pulling, and just like you know, like you say, the ridiculous singing, and just how like well choreographed and things in certain instances it was, and stuff like that. It just, it was just a good bit of like ridiculous fun that to me randomly felt. Entirely in character for Chris Jericho and MJF kind of thing, and I think that's one of the one of the point that that it wasn't like it wasn't like you suddenly had like Roman Reigns doing something like this or something like that. It was perfectly feasible that Chris Jericho and MJF could find themselves in this scenario, and I think that kind of made it work for me and made it you know it was funny and like that's when I then went on Twitter and things I saw a lot of people just describing it as oh if this was WWE like. You know, you'd be slacking it off as shit and stuff like but that. But it would it's be, just be shit, aw! But it would be shit. That is yeah. the thing. Like they yeah. wouldn't have produced it as well. It wouldn't have been. The humour would have been so overly written. It would have been so over choreographed, too over choreographed. It would have been refilmed five hundred times to fit the imperfections or the perfections of. Some ninety-year-old man, or eight-year-old man, or however old he is these days. That brain in a jar that sits in Titan Towers. But um, <laughs> you know, I just overall, it was just it was just I was. Like, it 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 cracked it cracked me up. And again, I just, to see the level of argument and things that it caused on Twitter, and totally took away from that first hour and how good that first hour was. Mm. Like I was. To me, it was a funny interlude that broke the show up kind of thing after a cracking first hour, and it was no more than that. And I don't think it was meant to be much more than that, really. That's,
2: you've pretty much encapsulated how I felt about that. That's why I kind of don't really necessarily have a hot take on it. Um, I knew it was going to happen. I'd seen people uh, like talking about it, and I thought, well, okay, well, I'll sort of judge it when, the- when-, when I'll go up and come in it. But I was so enthused by that first hour I'd kind of forgotten almost about the dinner until they started mentioning it. And I was like, Oh yeah, then that's yeah, yeah. That segment's coming up. And then when it came on, it was perfectly fine. And the whole point of the segment, and you know, you're in danger of reading too much into it is the idea that they're kind of very, very similar. And the, both of them doing a musical number is something like you mentioned, Gareth, it's that credibility of character that they, that they would actually kind of do that. And it's very clearly that the success of the segment like this is Tony Khan's not writing out the lyrics for this song. They are. They're dealing with it. They're in charge of it. So even though it's kind of you've got the, the, the sort of dancing girls with them as well and, and those other kind of bits, it wasn't so re- – they weren't setting themselves this kind of logistical nightmare to have to do like it was the fucking 1930s. You know, it's, it's not that you know it's (laughs) people on fucking broadway it it was it was very it was just like a good it was just like a segment that was done well Mm. the kind of weirdly led to a character bit where jericho's on board with having mjf in and the others aren't so sure you're you're wondering where it goes from there you mentioned wardlow at the beginning how he plays into some of this stuff as well because he's a kind of peripheral figure on this and in some ways it did weirdly further on the whole storyline, which is the kind of point of these wrestling angles. And so they did that. And then we move on. And they're not going to do it every week. And I hope they don't do it every week. In some ways, I hope they never do it again. Like, there may be one where Jericho goes into song when he's been kicked out of the inner circle and he starts, I don't know, going in some sort of ballad, meatloaf style, into the singing into the fucking moon. Please like, I could have a good laugh at that as well. But that's all it was kind of intended to be. And it's not like it overran by what's tw- like 20 minute long fucking musical segment. Was it? It, it really wasn't. It didn't overstay its welcome. And then it went.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So you're not getting the hot take out of us that uh, you might no. be getting elsewhere on that one. It, not mad on fun. musicals, but we yeah, this was good. MJF can sing. <laughs> I, if it was him, I was wondering whether he was dubbed. I was wondering, but uh, I think, I think I, it was him.
2: I think I've seen something about he used to do a lot of kind of singing as a kid. Oh. He, I don't know where this was. There was something about it, might have been the reason why he ended up appearing on that fucking telly program that time. Was it something to do with that? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. He's a talented youngster, a you
0: know? You yeah, well, uh, have I've I've seen like. I don't know.
2: I don't live with him.
0: I'm, I've seen the footage not. of like his bar mitzvah where there's like strippers there and stuff like he's. Uh, <laughs> he, was li- he was living the MJF character when he was thirty. You know, yeah, he had some girls at his uh, at his bar mitzvah. Strippers right?
2: at a bar mitzvah.
0: Yeah, that's what it looked like. You know, he's a rich lad. You know, uh, apparently that's the gimmick um, I'm, I'm not as well
2: there. up on the tenets of Judaism, but I always assumed that bar mitzvahs tended to be quite, a, you know, reasonably serious affairs.
0: Uh, when you're MJ, like,
2: not like after my confirmation, mate. We went down a fucking, I don't know, string fellows, <laughs> and started making it rain.
0: <laughs>
2: Speaking of tea, did, I remember... did,
0: did you was... have a shift in there? JP <laughs> <laughs> working around the bar at 13. <laughs> I can picture it. I did an interview
2: that night, yeah, in there as well. <laughs> I'd, I'd be working as pot boy, collecting the
0: glasses at my own confirmation. Stripper fest. (laughs) Uh, uh, I mean, I was going to say like one like we've been throwing roses pretty much at at AEW, but one negative I would say this FTR Young Bucks build fucking sucks. Like I don't, I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with the Young Bucks. Allegedly, like being heels and this whole throwing money at Tony Khan thing when they're going into a feud with the heels and FTR. Like when I said earlier, about I just don't trust Omega and the Bucks to look after their own creative. This was a simple match, wasn't it? it's a it's a quote unquote dream match of like probably four years five years ago at this point but you know you just book the match it's it's, it's it should be FTR and the young bucks it should be dead easy to to put together and instead you've got the bucks doing this convoluted like almost heel turn and you've got FTR being the world's most boring cunts on commentary like just killing the vibe in the room for for 20 minutes just Trying to be like Jim Cornette or like Twitter trolls. Like Boring Cunt isn't a gimmick, everyone. It's fucking it's just they're just exhausting, like the two of them. Like I can't even follow them on Twitter anymore. They're just it's you say the wrong kind of heat, that's the wrong kind of heat with me. I just don't want to watch these two at this point. And this match, they've gotta pull this out. I'm not saying they've had terrible matches on, on AEW, they've had some Pretty good matches. They've had some disappointing matches. They haven't had best tag team in the world level matches yet, uh, in AW. And this, this is the moment to do it. If, if you know, when we get to this, uh, this young butts match, uh, I hope, I hope we, uh, we get there. And I hope it's, you know, it delivers on maybe what the expectation was four years ago because the build certainly hasn't for me.
1: I mean, I think for for me, I've like had this same total same mindset that we've we've talked about in the last few weeks of why are the Young Bucks going, like, down this heel route when they're, like, clearly going towards this feud with FTR or they're trying to push us the the heels? And this was one of the positives that I kind of, like, had put for the end of this match was with the way the end of this match was with, like, you know... FTR and Tully Blanchard sort of attacking them and jumping on Tully Blanchard leg, under a mask so to... we
0: didn't know it was him like why, was, why Tra- did he have a mask on that was TNA what, why, why was he dressed <laughs> up like Gator why was it a mystery that he pulled the mask off it's like when Savio Vega came out to be like the fourth man with DX in that fucking Gang match like why was the surprise that it was he's their manager of course it was Tully Blanchard what the fuck was that <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I I, I I thought that as a as a segment it kind of established an element of like I don't know it was almost like a learning on their part of we need to put a bit of sympathy the bu- the books away and we we can't have them go full like right. heel kind of thing and if we if we've got this match in a fortnight's time okay yeah uh, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here and let's try and present the books as being a bit more at least a bit more sympathetic or a bit more face-like kind of thing rather than going into this full heel versus full heel thing and I think the way that that ended it kind of unless you know they do a total u-turn this this week it sort of it 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 put the it put the books in more clearly in that sort of face side of things if not total you know massive baby face sort of thing you weren't Going at the same trajectory where it was going to be for rolling into full gear as like massive heels versus massive heels. And I think that was needed. And I think, I think hopefully we should see the benefit of that when they actually like face each other in a few weeks' time.
2: It's hard to know where, really, where this position's long term. I mean, I've had a feeling the storyline might end up being Kenny and the Bucks as like we were the actual real elite, which is kind of how it was and and i kind of feel there's the biggest AEW storyline which is the dissolution of the elite with cody off being sort of more with the nightmare family and and obviously the stuff that they've done with with hangman page it's mad to say that i'm not really looking forward to this match at the minute but i'm kind of not and i was never as really massively sold on the dream match aspect it was just like a kind of a match you would like to see at that point in time And weirdly, this version of the Bucks character is kind of similar to what was the highest money drawing version of the Bucks character in the indies, isn't it? Where they were the kind of smarmy kind of tweener team, weren't they? That's true. But there's other stuff in this that just doesn't kind of jibe with it, like the money at Tony Khan stuff as well. Like you still need explanations for stuff. Mm. I get the idea of the characters going this way naturally, because like between Kenny and the Bucks, they've not you know, they've not had the tag titles, they've not had the heavyweight title. It makes sense for them all to go down this kind of route as this is the things that made them successful in these other in, in other companies was by behaving this way and now they're going to do that. It's just that the way that they're getting there, particularly with the Bucks and the FTR FTR feud it feels like completely disjointed if that is a route they're going to go down. Mm. So it's almost like you've got these two competing storylines mm. which require them to be slightly different things in. And I'm not, and I'm just not feeling it. I mean, FTR on commentary, like, I was just like, oh, oh fuck it. Like, so, more Southern bullshit. I'll mm-hmm. just call it that from now on.
0: <laughs> um, which is incredibly offensive to those people. <laughs> Sorry to the <laughs> South. Saying that, we had to go I, with the Republicans earlier, JP, and that's kind of the South anyway. Mate, so, yeah. I've,
2: I've said <laughs> some so. horrific things in weeks to <laughs> out of my way go to alienate audiences so why not throw one more thing onto the bonfire sorry to the southern democrats (laughs)
0: Uh, anything more on aw gareth or uh, anything like that before we go
1: i I think we can't talk about AEW without talking about the biggest star of the show (laughs) for me and that is john silver who i am absolutely obsessed with at the moment and like i've 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 always been somebody who watches like be the elite like sporadically kind of thing. It might be like I so, might just suddenly think yeah, I might have just sort of have thought about it over the years. and oh, I'll throw an episode on On the uh, toilet. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that, that kind of thing. And it may it could easily be six <laughs> weeks before I <laughs> will you it, on it, the it, toilet, J
2: at my age. I know Will on his podcast by the way say Gareth's much younger than me. Gareth's older than me, Will. Putting that to fucking bedroom, <laughs> here. Not by much.
1: No, oh, I haven't got to that bit yet. Thank you. Will. Yeah, <laughs> <go>. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I tell you what—the the old toilet. When you've got kids, Benno, you will learn the toilet's just a great, uh, great place to go to get a bit of free time, you know, kind oh, of mate. thing. Because uh, you can lock it, you lock that door behind you get, the, get <laughs> you, get YouTube going, get a bit of BTE on, and, and there you go—half an hour of peace and quiet to so, uh, watch a bit, watch a bit of what you want without someone mithering you asking <laughs> no. you to do something.
0: Hey, I'll do it away during a G1 I'm well known to have disappeared into the uh, the disabled Lou and work uh, and watch a little G1 match
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a tradition passed on from parents you know? my dad would quite often get a copy of the news of the world and he'd be off to the toilet mainly all re- like reading one of the Irish Sunday papers like the <laughs> Munster Express or something on the toilet I'm pretty sure that's where he did the vast majority of his reading throughout his life was on the <laughs> toilet but it was basically to get away from us yeah. know, just like Fuck off. I'm gonna read about the football.
1: <laughs> I, I empathize. But no, John Silver to me, like now being the elite has become appointment viewing for me. Like I literally can't wait to watch it every week just to see what he's he's doing. And I'm not saying he's gonna have the same career trajectory and he's not like the same thing, but it just reminds me so much of watching like mid-card lower mid-card Jericho in WCW where you've just got a guy and he's just doing like small things and he's just getting over with like a reaction or a one-liner or something like that that he's organically just doing doing there. And like I say, it's not a it's not a total like for like comparison, but it's it's just the idea that now he's been he's in a position where he can sort of like try some stuff out on being the elite find himself in his character, do some stuff that's funny, and then they're now giving them the opportunity to bleed that into television because it's something that's clearly worked and kind of got him over a little bit as well. And we're like... Where you don't want the full being the elite to bleed into dynamite, I think where there's little things like this, where you've got lower card guys who can just do something organically and use their own personality and own character to do something that's not been written for them, that's actually funny and just like eye catching and gets the opportunity for them to demonstrate their charisma, then I think it's just like a great vehicle for them to to do that because within like my eyes are just drawn to him every time he's on the screen i'm just waiting to see what he's going to say or what little mannerism he's going to do or something like that and it's not about the ring work or anything like that it's just about almost drawn back to that jericho mgf stuff that i was saying previously it's having that ridiculousness of a character that's totally unfitting and it's got its place on the show and like for like, for me, is one of the most entertaining guys in wrestling at the minute, and I just felt like, yeah, he needs that recognition. Definitely needs that. Definitely needs that shout out because I can't leave. Can't leave that one on the table.
0: <laughs> totally deserved. I'm the same way. I don't watch Being the Elite that often anymore, but I did literally last week go back and watch like the last three episodes mainly to because I knew they were planting seeds with the Kenny stuff on there, but mainly yeah because I did so much raving about uh, John Silver and his like his character work on there, and yeah, he works as like it's like the. You know, you watch, like, a kid's cartoon and there's, like, you know, like, watching, like, turtles and all, like, watching, like, you know, the the bad guy, kind of, like, the henchman. Like, he's, like, the little henchman, isn't he, that doesn't realise he's as small as he is and, you know, is shouting at and talking down to the even smaller henchman. Yeah, he's brilliant at it and it's a great use of the Dark Order, too, as well, isn't it? Because that, that was a gimmick that looked like it had no legs, you know, ten months ago and, you know, they've turned it into something very different, something uh, I didn't love at the start but yeah, it, it it's allowed people like him to shine and you know his little uh, interactions with like uh, with Mr. Brody Lee and uh, the rest of oh, the are always a positive. So yeah, definitely share that. Uh, anything more from you, JP, before we go?
2: No, I think that's me done. Any plugs? The there's other stuff I've watched, but what you watched? Um, you know, I'm saving that for the round table. That was gonna oh, okay. be the plug bit, you Oh go on
0: then <laughs> throw that in there. What's uh, what's going on at on, uh, the, the end of the week on uh, on grapple this week, JP?
2: Well, you're going to be making your round table debut. Um, I don't know. Do you do you uh, give we haven't agreed to terms yet, mate. You
0: haven't uh, decided what, you, what I'm getting paid for it yet. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> paid. <laughs> he will um, pay. Them. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, so, yeah, well, so far we've got um, me, you, uh, Alan Farrell mm-hmm. is going to be on, um, and Sarah Flannery, and mm-hmm. hopefully one more sort of special guest. I don't want to jinx it by, by saying who it is at this point um and basically doing a wrap-up of the g1 i've gone straight into the plug here didn't even yes, need to introduce the segment um yeah hoping to do yeah do a wrap-up of the g1 where new japan is leading into the dome um potentially even talk about sort of some aspects of the other tournaments that went on i know at that point benno you won't be taking part <laughs> as, you've, as you've said already at the start oh, you're, you're probably shaming
0: me for not doing my own work here <laughs> <laughs> to go
2: go Go back and watch like yeah, the N one victory final, which is actually quite good. Quite enjoyed it.
0: We'll see. I'll try and
2: and, and and Zeus uh, Miyahara. Yeah. Get, go and watch those two. I've still got to watch the start of one. But yeah, we um got that hopefully uh coming out on about Thursday.
0: Awesome. Uh any books for you for you guys? Grapple in general?
1: Yeah, download the app. Follow us at Grapple app.
0: All of that stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, for classic my classic grapple promo. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, for for me, like yeah, obviously yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm genuinely looking forward to making my uh, my debut on the roundtable. JP, you'll be the host. I'll be a I'll, yeah. I'll I'll be a pundit on that one, so you know you can uh, you can put me to the test there. So yeah, I look forward to doing that, and obviously yeah, getting to do a show with uh with Alan Farrell and uh and Sarah Flannery is always uh always going to be a highlight too. So really excited for that. Uh, like we said earlier, I did uh, Will Cooling's PW Torch podcast. Uh, you can check that out on their uh, VIP feed. Uh, you do have to subscribe, uh, but worth it. I'm a big Todd Martin fan, big Alan Farrell fan. Bruce Mitchell show is very good. As I said on the show, you know, I listen to Wade Keller in the shower and Will's on there too. So, you know, you can check out Will's, uh, Will's podcast. <laughs> on but... the shower? <laughs> yeah, and I just have a little picture of Will when I'm in the shower, but the less I about that, the better. Um... <laughs> Don't know where I'm going here. Um to talk myself out of that trouble. Um, yeah, it was one of the genuinely one of my favourite podcasts I've ever done. We just had a, an open ended chat about Brit Rez is dead, uh, Will Ospreay, is uh, his four and a half hour podcast with Andy Q and just podcasting in general. So yeah, if you do get the chance or so you're a subscriber, check that out. Like I said earlier, coming up, we've got a, I'm gonna be doing uh Braden and Davies show. Uh, we'll be talking about Samoa Joe's ROH title run. I'm doing fucking 2007 Manhattan Mayhem with uh, with Martin Bushby and Andrew Thompson, so it's ROH uh, month on uh, on the post wrestling feed, so you can check that out as well. Uh, and the normal the way you've always wanted be, it. Uh, two weeks, yeah. I'm turning it into the uh, the mid 2000s uh, Ring of Honor website this one, so uh, all the la- that's a lot forward to, and I'll uh, I'll get you two talking some uh, 2005 Samoa Joe with me sometime soon as well. Um, all of the mid 2000s ring of honor. Uh, but yeah, other than that, follow me on Twitter at BetsyRichardE. You Follow. he's on it. You're
1: not doing any more podcasts. No, so that's it. it. I that, think was, that, was, that was seven, wasn't
0: it? <laughs> Look, I've, I've had a, a little run where I've, you know, I've quietened down a little bit. You know, when these guests invite to come flying, you know, it's uh, JP had a little run, didn't you, JP? It's uh, it's vital to shine now. So people will just be sick of me by the end of this month, um, the way we want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah like I said follow us there uh, and again we'll be back uh, next week we've got you know I think G1 season's over we've got uh, plenty of interesting stuff coming up uh, AW's pay-per-view coming up New Japan uh, is running the same day for Power Struggle so hopefully we'll have a, a bit of a chat and a, a preview of all that next week but yeah that's it for us uh, for another show. Lads, we said we were gonna go two hours. We've gone two hours forty-four, but you know. Oh fuck. <laughs> Not quite you on, lad. Not quite Will Cooling, lad. It's getting short. It's getting shorter it <laughs> There we go. So yeah, we'll be back next week with another show, hopefully under three hours. Cheers, everyone. Bye. There Sorry are. about your damn luck. <laughs> I'm a- Creek swimming, moonshine sipping, beer skinning, beer drinking,
2: Johnny Cash listening!